This episode of the Esoteric Order of Roleplayers is brought to you by the generosity of our backers on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash esotericrp to find out how you can become a backer too. Remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with all the latest news, and join our Discord community to chat with players and fellow listeners. The Esoteric Order broadcasts from Santa Fe, New Mexico. We recognize these episodes are produced on the traditional territory of the Tewa-speaking Pueblo peoples, and we acknowledge their community, their ancestors, their elders, both past and present, and future generations. The Esoteric Order of Roleplayers present The Great Game, a Castle Falkenstein campaign, with David Larkins as the host. Welcome back. We're back for more Falkensteinian action. Um, so as I was saying before I started recording, uh, I did have a little rules addendum that I wanted to send out to everybody, and I will get that sent out. But um, it has to do with a little rules variant we'll be using. So on that note, I think before we really jump into the story... Why don't we take a little bit of time to go over how the system works? If that sounds good to everyone. Excellent. Okay, so you may have noticed, first of all, when you log into Roll20, that there are two card decks in the uh, virtual tabletop area. And uh, those are basically the engine that powers the game. Uh, in fact, for most of you, you'll only be using one deck. So the way that that works, let me just get the book open in front of me here. It's really not that complicated. I just want to make sure I don't miss anything. Um, The way it works is that you've all assigned values to your various abilities, right? You've got good and great and poor, average, et cetera. And the way that works is, as you may have guessed, it corresponds to the difficulty of actions that you might want to undertake. So you might need to get a great success to pull off a particularly daring action, for example. Uh, A heroic feat, if you will, as they call it in the game. And um, so these basically have target values uh, that correspond to your qualitative ability levels. So like if you're good at something, uh, that would have a value of six. And if you needed to make a good success, then you do so automatically, right? In a perfect world. However, I as the host will have my own little hand of cards 
and I can play a card with its face value to increase the difficulty level. So I might say, you need a good success, but I'm also going to play this seven. And now you need to beat a seven or higher from your own hand, you know? Um, so that's, that's the basic way it works. Um, now, there is a slight complication in that the suits of your card correspond to the activity you're trying to do. So let's say this good uh, difficulty that you needed to hit was for something emotional or romantic. Now, in the basic game, you're using the basic 54-card deck. So I'm just going to talk about that before I get into the rules variant I'll be using. So in the basic game, that corresponds to hearts, right? So if you had a seven of hearts or a jack of hearts or whatever, you could play that, and it would be worth the face value. But if you didn't have any hearts, uh, any other card you play is only going to be worth one point. So in that way, in that sense, if you had to beat a seven, your, your hand of cards is only four cards at any given time, and you didn't have any hearts in your hand, can't do it. Um, so it's kind of like, how does the face value of the card correspond to the, the suit, and how does that match the activity? That's sort of the core you know, mechanic, I guess you could say. Um, and sorcery works very similarly to that, by the way. And let's see, what else? Oh, yeah. So then, once everything has been played, you then have to look at the totals. So again, let's go back to my example. I played a 7. That makes a value of 13. Uh, let's say you couldn't play any cards, so you have a value of 6. That means that you would be uh, less than the required feet, uh, the required ability total but not less than half the required ability total, barely. So that's just a regular failure. If it had been less than half, it would be a fumble. Okay. So there's different levels of success and failure. Actually, strangely, corresponding to Pendragons. There's fumble, failure, partial success, full success, and, well, they call it a high success, but basically it's a critical success. So um, that was an interesting observation that I made as I read the rules. Um, let's see, that is it in a nutshell. Um, sometimes you'll be doing something in an opposed contest. So rather than going against a target number, it's just basically two parties trying to build the best hand they can or the best total that they can. And then whoever's higher wins, you know. Um, but that is about it as far as the basic system. So before we push on, any questions on that? Uh, yes. So, <laughs> what page of that is that is, uh, in the rule book? So in the rule book, that is covered from page 182, well, actually, really page 181 to page 184. Okay, great. Because I'll probably be relying on you to tell me if I <laughs> passed or not. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> for, for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Which suits correspond to which type of stuff? Okay, so now that's a good segue to the little house variant we'll be using. So um, this is a variant that uses the classic tarot deck rather than the 54-card 
you know, poker deck or whatever, or 52 card. Um, so uh, for that, we do tarot suits. And this is part of like what I was trying to get sent out to you guys. I didn't. So you can just jot down the note for now and I'll get it sent out to you after the session. But um, it goes cups correspond to emotional and romantic activities. Pentacles correspond to mental and intellectual activities. Swords correspond to social and status-related activities. And wands correspond to physical activities. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And the reason I particularly wanted to use this variant, uh, and this was actually, <laughs> this variant was recommended by the Artelsorian Twitter account <laughs> when I announced we'd be playing Castle Falkenstein because Jade, you may remember from when we played, one of the problems is that there are no discards uh, in the basic rules. You get your four card hand and that's it. You're kind of stuck with it until you spend those cards and get to draw back more. You know, it kind of forces you to cycle through your hand, but sometimes you just end up with a really crummy hand and you can't do anything. And then you're trying to draw more and you still can't do anything. And it's kind of frustrating. So the additional element in this variant is the Major Arcana. So the Major Arcana do two things. First of all, you can only have one Major Arcana card in your hand at a time. So if you draw more than one, you just put back the ones you don't want, one or ones you don't want. Um, but when you have a Major Arcana card in your hand, you can do two things. One, you can cash it in to completely discard your entire hand and redraw. So if you just have a real shit hand, but you got a major arcana card, cash it in, redraw. The other thing, and this was the other bit I wanted to send out, is that every, every card has a different narrative trick that you can pull. So you can play the card and, um, you know, like for instance, the Empress. The dramatic character feels a rush of passion for the task at hand. Treat any one card played as if it were the queen of its suit. The Hermit. The dramatic character gains an intellectual insight into the problem at hand. Treat a single pentacles card as if it were the suit of the ability being used for the current feat. Uh, and if it's already a pentacles card, treat it as one higher for the purposes of resolving the feat. You know, just little, little modifications. Uh, there's even story affecting things like the Fool. Something quite unexpected occurs. The host should draw a card from the fortune deck and use its suit to guide them in creating a twist in the story. You know, so um, we'll just, since you guys don't have the list in front of you, just ask me when you draw a major arcana card this session and I'll tell you what, what it does. And you can make a note of it. Um, but I'll get this sent out to you just so you can have it, you know, printed out or up on your screen for future sessions. But I just thought that sounded like a fun little, a fun little way to, you know, throw some twists into the story as we go. So that's about it. There's special subsystems. Um, like for example, there's a whole system, there's a whole special system just for duels. You challenge somebody to a duel. Um, in terms of combat and injury, you all have health points. I'm gonna keep track of those myself, but you will keep track of like whether you took a wound or bruising, was it a blow? A wound, a blow, or a constitutional shock, uh, which is more for the ladies. <laughs> Although I don't know, Alex's character might, might be susceptible as well. <laughs> yeah, he's had quite a few in his life. Yeah, you, you might swoon if you're uh, handled too roughly. Um, 
And let's see. Yeah, I think that's about it. So uh, any questions? All right. Oh, yeah, the thing I want to say about injury is that um, when you are knocked down to your like zero health, you don't die. Obviously, you uh, you just go unconscious or you fall over the edge of the cliff or some other, you know, appropriate dramatic thing. How cool, Dave. <laughs> Look, if you want me to kill you off, I can. There is actually an optional uh, rule here. Uh, let's see. When character has gone below zero health, draw one card randomly from the fortune deck. If the card is a spade, which in the tarot would correspond to a sword, of course, of any value, the character has perished. If the value is anything other than a spade, the character lingers on until healed. Kind of love that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if you want, if you want some uh, mortal peril, happy to, I'm happy to do it. We can test it out on the cat's boo. <laughs> mm -mm, mm -mm, don't you dare. What was the pen, uh, pentacle again? Uh, is that? In terms of what, yeah, uh, mental and intellectual activities. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Oh, and there's one other little element I noticed when I was kind of flipping back through the uh, book earlier today that we did not really talk about, which is what type of hero or heroine are you? This is just something to think about. So, as it points out here, there are no modern anti-heroes in the world of Castle Falkenstein. There is your heroic hero. There is your tragic hero. Uh, character with a dark side. Uh, there's your flawed hero. Lacks something in their basic morality and are all too willing to sacrifice principles of expediency. But what distinguishes them from the modern anti-hero is that they know they're doing wrong and regret it. And attempt to make amends whenever possible. And then for heroines, there's the innocent heroine, the clever heroine, the tragic heroine, not the same thing as the tragic hero, but rather one who's had a great wrong done upon her, the fallen and the fallen heroine. So anyway, just some food for thought there in terms of how you, you know, sort of funnel your character uh, through this experience. I don't know if I missed this. But mm -hmm. I think, um, I don't recall getting the equipment list from you for ideas of Yes. Stuff no, I did, I did not send that out. You didn't miss it. Okay. So. <laughs> I would love to see that just to get a better idea of some of the possibilities, I guess. Sure, sure. Like what might be too fantastical, but also too boring. Okay. Yeah. Let me make a note to myself on that. And I do have a list in front of me here as well. Okay. Well, we'll just play it by ear for this session. Uh, but other than that, you're all ready to get into it. So it is autumn of 1871 and you have all uh, gathered uh, for reasons of various uh, motivation. At the uh, grand platform uh, in Vienna, the, uh, the main station, if you will, the Hauptbahnhof, um, where you will be boarding the Duchess Elizabeth, 
named after Duchess Elizabeth in Bavaria, uh, who is also happens to be the Austrian Empress and Queen of Hungary. The train has caused quite a bit of uh, news of late. It is uh, an international effort. The result of cooperation between the governments of France, Bayern, and Austria. And it is a new type of uh, train engine. It is a, an engine without any human or other sentient pilots, but rather a Babbage engine installed in the, in the front. Uh, so the, the local media has taken to calling it Babbage's engine and a little play on words. And um, all of you have received an invite, as I say, for one reason or another. I have some notes here. I had some ideas on why you might be there, but um, also more than happy if you had an idea as well of why your characters might be there. That was one thing we didn't really get into was like how you might know each other or, or who knows whom. Um, but I think the sort of obvious one for me at least would be um, with uh, probably with Frederick, right? Um, being an Austrian diplomat and the Empress of Austria being on board this train, her namesake, uh, I could definitely see you being a member of her party. Okay, yeah, that works. I, I had an idea that the event that got him out of his funk kind of was to kind of re be reintroduced into this whole, you know, diplomatic world. So yeah, uh, yeah. I left it pretty open as far as what that was, but it was something having to do with Paris, so this works perfectly. Maybe he was... Um, assigned as an attache in this kind of diplomatic uh, group with the empress. Yeah, I think you're traveling with the party. You're definitely being reassigned to Paris for your own reasons, right? But like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, that's exactly it. You're an attache. Um, one thing, and I really only had time to kind of skim everybody's entries. I'll, I'll dive in later. But um, uh, I didn't see if you named your your rival diplomat, the other person in the service who who kind of has risen higher in the ranks than you have? Uh, I didn't, but I kind of thought, I, I maybe hinted at it a bit. I was assuming it was the Gross, uh, C. Gross, who wrote the letter nice. to me. Sure. So um, whoever that might be, but I didn't actually go into much detail about his, uh, kind of what, what he's up to. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, okay, so we'll just, we'll just have Hair Gross as the, uh, as the rival for now. And obviously, he is heading up uh, the Empress's, you know, security detail, right? Of course he is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, Rainey, I think we did talk last week about um, Astrid being uh, at least interested not only in the train itself, but also that Rhyme Engine Master was going to be on the train. Uh, did we establish that uh, he tutored her? I think we did, right? Yeah, that I had done like work and learned under him and what he was doing and everything. So I figured yeah. 
might be more of a work trip for me or because of my work, I'm getting to ride on it to go to Paris or whatever. But yeah. yeah. Cool. And um, possibly, uh, well, for a scander, I don't know. I mean, obviously as an inventor, this would be of interest to you. The inventor of the whole train system is going to be on the train as well, uh, Professor Reinhardt. It is one of my goals to um, collaborate and you know, mind meld with other uh, electromechanical adepts and scholars. So that would make sense that on my way to Paris from um, Macedonia, that mm. I would detour through Vienna, if at all possible, to take a ride on this uh, modern technological marvel. Indeed. That makes a tremendous amount of sense. Uh, and then as for uh, our good friend, Grizzly Grant, um, there can be any number of reasons why you're on the train. I will say that the, um, the ambassador uh, from the, the, let's see, is he an ambassador of France? I believe so. Anyway, a US ambassador uh, none other than Mark Twain uh, is going to be aboard the uh, train as well. So you'll have a fellow American along for the ride. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. And um, lastly, as for Brexta, now, first of all, there's any number of reasons, I'm sure, that you might be interested in this. Um, but I did also just want to say and I, I think you're aware of this, Jade, but for everybody else who may not be aware of it, uh, fairy folk as a general thing um, have some vulnerabilities. And one of them, one of the classic ones is iron. So uh, fairy folk generally don't like to be aboard like modern contraptions like trains or steamships or that kind of thing. Um, however, part of the deluxe uh, construction of the Duchess Elizabeth was that it was made entirely from special alloys uh, created by uh, dwarvish, you know, metallurg metallurgists that uh, minimize the amount of, uh, you know, irritation you would feel from being, you know, surrounded by so much metal. So no worries there. Um, but it's, you could just be as simple as like, you know, you just got a special invite since, uh, any fairy kind of defaults to being treated as nobility. Yeah, no, I think that that sounds good. I think certainly part of it is, it sounds like it's uncommon to find trains that have been made quite so specially. And so it's probably a very novel experience. It might even be my very first time on some sort of, uh, locomotion as this, so. Yeah, that I would, would imagine so, yeah. Very exciting, even just from an experiential standpoint. Excellent. Oh, I hey, would, by the uh, oh. oh, I was just going to say, by the way, how's, how's the background noise this week? Is it better? It's very good. Yeah, way better. Yeah, I got, I got a Krispy Kreme uh, noise gate. So <laughs> I just put a donut around my microphone. <laughs> sounds delicious. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't delicious. have lasted on my setup, so... <laughs> It'd be more background noise as you're That's like, right. Hum, 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 hum. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Sorry, um, Kenny, you were going to say something. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, um, as to the reason that I'm on this train, I'm probably hunting down my rival, um, Sir Percival, mm-hmm. uh, because I know that he's um, somehow holding my uh, my lady fair. <laughs> um, yeah. A few developments have happened. <laughs> so yeah. session zero. We yeah. had a session. I had a session point five. Session zero point five. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's holding my lady. So I'm I'm probably on this train trying to track this fool down. Okay, um, that's great. I actually I can throw you a lead on that. Uh, so you you have it on on good authority that another one of the celebrity passengers is the famous actress Sarah Bernhardt. Um, and she was, uh, acquainted with your, with your lady. Um, and so, uh, and, and, you know, moves in, in powerful circles. Um, so there's a good chance that she might have a lead for you. It would lead you in the right direction. Nice. Mm -hmm. Cool. Now, do any of you know each other already? I think Astrid and I know each other uh, because we've got a mutual in rhyme. That's right. And I assume that he might have introduced us to each other because my mother is Californian. So, oh, oh yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah, I spent some time in those parts. Mm-hmm. And might uh, Brexton know Frederick from his time serving at the Sealy Court? Uh, it's possible, yeah. There was a lot of um, definitely uh, Faye coming and going. I'm not, you know, from there, so I think it's definitely possible, but I'll leave it up to Brexton. Well, certainly, uh, my kind are quite popular uh, as ambassadors, actually, on the, that side of the veil. So I think it's very mm-hmm. likely that as a fellow ambassador of sorts, we probably rubbed elbows at least once or twice. Mm. For better well, and for worse. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Very, uh, what was the Star Trek that was like a, a United Nations ship? Was that Deep Space Nine? Am I completely off base? No, you got it. Uh, yeah. All right, cool. Very Deep Space Nine. Um, let's see. And then Iskander, how about you? I don't think I know anyone. I'm not from around here. I've been living in a mosque for, what, uh, let's see, about, 12 years or so. so <laughs> right. Mostly working in a basement and, you know, working in the mountains and stuff, helping build, dig wells and build local um, sick rooms or whatever, hospital type, whatever. Helping the community construction. There you go. And so on. So really, I feel like I just blew into town, you know, and I don't know anyone, but I feel like everyone knows of me because I'm just this huge dude, like walking around with these like yeah. giant suitcase and stuff like that. Oh, I love it. Actually, that's a great uh, entry point to the scenario. So um, I think we'll get right into that with uh, chapter one. Oh, is it too much of a spoiler to give give the title of the chapter? Is that is that fitting for the uh, for the genre? Yes. 
Chapter one, mayhem on the platform. Love it. <laughs> All right. So, um, so yeah, so the, the train has pulled in from its, uh, I guess it's, it's little shed that it was, uh, that it was, um, you know, built in and the, uh, the crew are busy coupling it to the, um, I should say the train engine is pulled in and the crew are busy coupling it to the, uh, the cars. Um, obviously this is a, this is a big event. So, you know, picture a, you know, massive, um, you know, metropolitan, um, train station with, you know, great sweeping arc arches of, of glass and, uh, wrought iron, cross beams, uh, the whole place, like this sort of industrial cathedral, really. And uh, the platform that you're on, the main platform, is crowded with people, uh, passengers and well-wishers who have come to see you off on this historic journey. Uh, and, of course, obviously, the Empress Elizabeth herself is going to be on this train traveling in a private car. Um, so everyone's sort of anxiously awaiting her arrival. Um, when, uh, Iskander, you, you know, having just gotten off your, you know, much funkier little, uh, you know, short line, uh, train, you know, from whatever town you're coming in from Innsbruck or whatever, uh, you know, you're seeing this whole commotion. You know, and there, there's a brass band playing. There's, uh, you know, people popping off little streamers and, you know, just a, a general air of merriment. And uh, what catches your eye is that uh, among, amongst all this merriment and festivity, there appears to be some, some rough business going on. There's a, uh, a group of, uh, of toughs, you know, bounders, cads down at the far end of the platform. The two youths. Uh, yes. And they're, they're um, uh, hassling a uh, older, you know, like older middle-aged woman and her young companion uh, in a way that, that you know, just from the body language alone, you can tell is very much unwanted advances. That sounds like a tailor made situation in which I must interfere. Sounds I must protest. <laughs> Indeed. So there are four of them. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's about even odds. Well, it's, I'm not much of a pugilist, pure horsepower, but there are certain things that the human body by and large just knows how to do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the fight for your life is one of them. So um, if you have Very a big true. gas tank and a lot of horsepower, you can, um, you can be pretty effective. But the thing is, that doesn't even matter because it's not about the odds. It's about the fact that that's wrong and it will not stand. Aggression will not stand, man. <laughs> Aggression shall not stand. Yeah. All right. So I just don't dealt everybody. Oh, I just dealt everybody your your hands. So you'll see them on roll twenty uh, next to your next to your name or avatar. 
Uh, go ahead and take a look at the hands, and if you have more than one major arcana, uh, you know, send one back and draw another. I literally got four major arcana. <laughs> I got three. What the hell? I didn't get any. Me neither, so it's okay. All right. I got them all. Anybody want one? <laughs> I have no idea. Like, what's a major arcana for a hundred, Alex? <laughs> so, so the major, the major arcana are your like um, the the cards that have like a title, you know. So, like yeah. death or the tower or you know the emperor. So, if or, they have uh, numbers on them, then you're minor arcana. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay. I see what I see. What's going on? Okay, never mind. I, I've <laughs> never mind that. I thought we were playing like, uh, like we were gonna have regular playing cards and then like the major arcana thrown in. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are the odds? So like, if they have like words at the bottom, then not necessarily because the the court cards also have words at the bottom. So like Knight of Cups, uh, King of okay. Cups, you know. But yeah, if it uh, let's see, what's the best way to say it? If it has a number at the top and a, and some words at the bottom, that's major arcana. That being said, can you yes. tell me about uh, the ones that I have so I can maybe choose which one I'll keep and then you make an educated decision? Yes. Indeed. What do you got? I have um, the hanged man. Uh huh. Fool and the high priestess. Wow, dynamite. Yeah. Okay, well, like I said, with the Fool, you can play that to have something unexpected occur. I then have to draw a card from the fortune deck and use the suit to guide me in creating a twist for the story. The Empress, you said? The, yeah, High Priestess. High Priestess. <clears throat> oh my, the dramatic character is looking particularly fetching today. Convert the suit of one card chosen at random from the dramatic character's hand to swords, and the converted card need not be played on this feat. And then the Hanged Man, for a brief instant, the dramatic character experiences a dizzying sensation as reality itself seems to twist and warp. The player and the host must exchange their hands. The player then resolves the feat using their new hand. Huh. <laughs> Excellent. That's, That's awesome. Fun. Yeah. Anybody else have more than one or have one at all and want to know details? I mean, I think I have two, but... What do you guys? I'm not sure. So I have a card that has a nine at the top and it says the hermit at the bottom. Yep. Am I reading this right? Okay. Mm -hmm. And I have another one that has a seven at the top and strength at the bottom. Strength, indeed. Okay, so strength. Like a knight of old, the dramatic character steps forward in the defense of others. Increase the level of success of a feat, partial to full, for example, or full to high, but only if the dramatic character is acting to defend another. Well, shit. Uh, Holy crap. Yeah, right. Oops. And then the hermit, the dramatic character gains an intellectual insight into the problem at hand. Treat a single pentacles card as if it were a suit of the ability being used for the current feat. And if it's pentacles already, treat it as played one higher for purposes of resolving. So I'd say strength would be the obvious one yeah. there. I mean, I have to thank Jade profusely for uh, asking because otherwise it'd have been like the only thing I know about tarot is that stuff never means what it seems to on the surface. So strength probably means like you're actually a bit of a shrew or something like that. So I would have like thrown that away and kept the hermit because the hermit means you're like whatever. So, uh, anyway. 
it didn't work out that way this time. So fantastic. Thank God. All right. Cool. So back to the train platform. You have four toughs roughing up uh, a lady and her companion. All right. So I have to briskly stride over my long-legged strides, quite uh, Lincoln-esque. Um, <laughs> put my uh, the, the heavy, big leather luggage that I have. Um, it's not only big, but just uh, I guess massive is a better term. It's quite heavy. So when I put it down, it makes on this platform, it makes quite the thud of authority on that. And with that to punctuate my question, I'll ask, what is the meaning of this? All right. So, uh, so one of the toughs uh, looks at you and, and, and just says, you know, buzz off. This, is, this doesn't concern you. I will not buzz off. It concerns me anywhere that uh, four youths would be harassing these fine people. What is your business here? Stay here in tent. All right. So, uh, you know, Iskander's making quite a little scene here. Um, so, Brexta, I think you're, you know, near enough by uh, nearby to uh, to overhear all this going down. I'm probably watching with a slight amount of interest. I think this person certainly looks uh, a bit like a giant, and that's kind of unusual. Um, yeah. As for what these other people may or may not be doing, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I probably wasn't paying quite enough attention to know whether or not anyone has perhaps done something right or wrong. Absolutely. But All I'm right. probably drawing a little closer out of interest and curiosity, if nothing else. Sure, sure. All right. So um, the uh, the guy who who you know, kind of turned on you, Iskander. Uh, he, uh, he, he just uh, raises a, a cudgel in one hand and, and says, uh, you know, you don't look so tough to me. Get out of here. I'll deal with you in a moment. One moment while I converse with my new friends here. I would like to ask the... Um, the, the lady and her companion mm -hmm. their side of the story you know while while holding up the, the one moment finger to the guy with the uh, the cudgel like I'll, I'll murder you in a second just stand by <laughs> right <laughs> okay um i'm a little curious about that in terms of how they might react to that and uh, I imagine Astrid, you are also at this point hearing, overhearing this commotion. Okay. Um, am I just overhearing that there's something going on at this point or do I see kind of the situation? You see a guy raising a cudgel and threatening this other dude. So, you know, that's, that's okay, definitely yeah. something. Yeah. This is a very important day. This is not, nope. And so I'm just going to walk my short ass over there. <laughs> because Iskander's like, what, seven feet tall or something crazy like that? It, and I'm 5'4". So <laughs> I'm, I'm just this square, square little creature. I'm tough. 
And I was like, don't, why, why are we making a ruckus here? This is a great day. We need to keep calm, everyone. Like, what is this about? No, this is not cudgel time. <laughs> uh, what is Iskander's uh, physique? It is good. Okay. So these guys, these guys are definitely uh, not as tall as you, obviously, but you know they're like surprisingly buff. Like they, they look like the dance troupe from the touring production of Newsies, for example. It's uh, <laughs> a reference everybody can get. No, but they're they're just in, in really good shape uh, under their under their sweater vests, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so that is to say, they also have a good physique. Uh, so I think uh, let's let's make this interesting. Uh, let's make this a, a dramatic challenge. That is indeed nice. what I call it. Um, a dramatic feat. Okay, or heroic feat. I'll get it eventually. All right. So let's see here. So you're trying to get these guys to kind of back off for a moment, not necessarily start throwing down immediately right not just yet yeah mm -hmm. all right and so yeah uh that could be now you as the as the player you can decide do you want that to be a physique thing or is there something else maybe that you could use like uh uh charisma for example or you know some other ability just kind of shut them down there's um, nothing else that I'm necessarily good at. I mean, I've, uh, mm -hmm. my entire adult life, I've just kind of traded on um, the the sheer size. And it's kind of like the, um, in my mind, when I was imagining this character, I was thinking of um, the original Conan, you know, where they mm. put him on the, like, the wheel of pain to be broken, but he's stronger than it. And that's how he gets like massive, just pushing this giant thing around. So he's doing all this construction and this work in the rugged terrain of Northern Macedonia for the good of the community. And yeah. so he's just out in the sun and lifting big old, like, you know, hemp and ropes nets full of rocks and all kind of stuff like that right <laughs> digging wells and ditches and all sorts of shit and so and plus he just has this like throwback dna you know somehow in his lineage he's just you know not necessarily entirely human like maybe all of us have neanderthal or denisovan dna in us and stuff like that that might lend to that kind of physique he's just got that right sequence that makes him just this big hulking dude prone to packing on the muscle uh, well so and, and as jade sort of uh, intimated even in the world of castle falkenstein it could even be literally like you had some giants in your uh heritage some actual giants you know uh they they say that sarah bernhardt is half uh half fairy herself so I was thinking, you know, yeah, something like that. Something, some people met, fell in love, lines crossed somewhere back in his lineage. And, mm -hmm. and here he is. So when someone holds up a cudgel and threatens you with it, you know, um, and your reaction is like, hang on a second. Like, I feel like that's kind of like, um, like, like a calm sort of thing. Not the eyebrows raised and eyes wide, like, oh, wait, no, you know, but more of the one moment, like, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. I feel like that's just an inherent um, act of intimidation, even though it's not a charisma-based thing. It's more of a presence-based thing. So that's why I was 
long-winded explanation of why I was thinking that's just pure physique. All right. Makes sense to me. Um, so having said all that, you have a good physique. Do you want to add anything to that with a card from your hand? One or more cards. So is like, um, I don't remember the, because uh, my notes, I was typing furiously. I'm like, cups, emotional, and, oh, crap, I missed it. Pentacles, I missed yeah. that one entirely. Swords, oh, no. So I don't remember which one. <laughs> so, so wands is your physical activities. Got it. Okay, cool. I think I have a uh, wands. Uh, not sure. I'm just going to pull this out and see. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that would be wands. A 10. Good Lord. All right. So that gives you a total of 16. Now I'm looking at my hand so that then it would come to me, uh, you know, to decide if I wanted to try and play anything as well to beat that. But I actually do not at this time. So uh, that allows you to handily, handily uh, beat that uh, challenge. And there's no discard pile, by the way. When you play a card, it gets shuffled back in immediately. So that is what I just did. And um, great. So yeah, so you hold up this warning finger to the guy, and he's just like standing there kind of dumbfounded, like, oh? Usually people don't react that way. <laughs> Usually people don't encounter seven-foot-tall uh, half-giants either, so. Yeah. <laughs> He's only 6'10". It's his uh, engineer boots that give him the extra two inches. Mm, mm, of course. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you're turning to the two ladies then. Oh, it's two ladies. See, I thought it was a lady and a, like her guy friend, but it's a couple of ladies. Well, that's the thing. Uh, so as you, as you turn and, and look at these two a little more closely, yes, they're, the older woman is, you know, wearing full length, uh, skirts and um you know she's got a, a smart jacket and a vest uh you know she's she's all done up um her companion is maybe about half her age and dressed in a tailored uh suit uh but uh wearing her hair long and you can see you know definitely you know like features of a young woman All right, dang. <laughs> That's yeah. even more imperative than that they should be old-fashioned. So, I mean, not me. Escander is old-fashioned. So right. that they should be um, protected, and the situation needs to be um, sorted out immediately. So, uh, you know, I've asked them what their uh, their side of the story is. Why these four ruffians are uh, accosting them? Okay. If they need assistance. <laughs> uh so so the older woman says uh yes very much so thank you uh my name is uh professor reinhardt and this is my I daughter sasha. immediately <laughs> and this is my daughter sasha and uh and so the uh the the four thugs look completely uh taken aback by this uh this whole development 
And normally stony brow i think would cloud over even more because i have resting i will like murder you and eat you face <laughs> so um it gets even like worse when he hears that this is a professor this is a teacher i am on my way to paris to meet with the professor um teachers are very sacred to me given that my surrogate father was also my primary teacher so this just really took it to 11 kind of in you know i would turn to them just very thunderhead of brow how dare you <laughs> so of course by this point this this whole scene has attracted a lot of attention um and uh and so the four guys you know kind of look at each other and they, they sort of just uh, slink off, you know, away from the platform if you let them. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to leave, obviously you let them, you know, leave. If they're no longer a threat, then violence is no longer uh, warranted. All right. Uh, yeah, so Brexta and Astrid, you are nearby and we'll uh, get back to you as, uh, as Astrid picks herself up off the platform. Uh, but meanwhile... On the exterior of the Grand Station, we have another crowd, which is gathered in anticipation of the arrival of the Empress. Uh, in this crowd, uh, we have none other than Grizzly Grant Morgan, uh, who has uh, arrived in the uh, company of one Mark Twain, who is uh, attending both in his official capacity as ambassador and also to... Um, you know, take notes for a book that he is working on about life in Europe called Innocence Abroad. Nice. And um, so, yeah, there's a grand trumpet fanfare and uh, everyone begins to crane their necks as the sound of clopping uh, horse hooves can be heard coming down the cobblestone street. And sure enough, uh, here comes the procession of Empress Elizabeth with, you know, full military guard of honor on horseback with their, you know, shining uh, uh, helmets and with the, you know, gigantic plumes and their uh, immaculate uniforms, sabers rattling at their sides and uh, several carriages worth for this uh, procession. Um, as it comes to a halt, outside the train station uh, and the uh, the footmen come around and begin opening doors. About uh, three carriages down, a door is opened and a little black cat comes streaking out, uh, followed soon after by a neurasthenic looking young man. So I'll just uh, <clears throat> sigh, you know, as Katsubu disappears into the crowd and uh, use my cane to try to catch up. <laughs> All right, you, uh, you catch sign of, uh, of your, your rival. Uh, let's see, first, first initial C, so I, you know, Carl would be the, the classic, although it would normally show up with a K, but you know, maybe he's like weird like yeah. that. Oh, he is, <laughs> he would spell with the C. <laughs> so yeah, I'll give him a good squinting. Yeah, so as, as your rival Carl Gross uh, dismounts from the Empress's own carriage and offers her his hand as she debarks from the carriage. I can't with this guy. 
um all right so uh so yeah so in the in the crowd there grant you you know witnessing this whole thing uh playing out any thoughts in particular i mean this is this is a uh a level of pomp and ceremony you you don't you don't get back in america yeah um i definitely see uh i see this cat go out and and this dude literal you know i'm like that dude's chasing a cat. <laughs> that actual dude. Yeah, that actual dude. Dude is period accurate here, listeners. <laughs> um, second. Yeah, yeah kind of looking at that and, and scratching my chin a little bit. And uh, Mark is chilling. He's next to me, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to look at Mark and be like, what do you make of all this? We're on first name basis, by the way. Oh, yeah, in which case he would insist you call him Sam. Oh, that's right, Sam. Uh, So he says, well, just another day in Europe. (laughs) (laughs) They like they like their uh, they like their showcases over here. They like to show off. Yeah, I can tell. I don't quite uh, understand the ceremony. Of course, um, I suppose if the. uh, uh, was it the Emperor of California? Is that right? <laughs> That's right. If the Emperor of California uh, showed up one day, you know, at the train station, I, I suppose everybody get out and look at him too. Oh yeah. What do you uh, and do I know what Sam? Do I know what Mister Twain is doing on this train? Um, so he is he is technically a diplomat. He's okay, an that's ambassador. Right. Yeah. And are we, are we, am I like riding with him? That's up to you. If you want, you can be a guest, you know, you can be his plus one. Okay. Yeah. I would, yeah. I would like, I would he like pro- to He probably uh, overheard your American accent at a cafe, you know, came over, introduced himself, you know. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would like to be his plus one, uh, but perhaps maybe a, a, a recent acquaintance. So I, mm-hmm. I, I can still ask him questions. <laughs> <laughs> you can be an exposition dump. That's right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, but yeah, I'm going to look at Sam because uh, I know he's he's pretty well connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say, um, as all this stuff is going on, I don't know that I'm particularly interested in what the Empress is doing here because um, I've got my I've got my mind on bigger fish, so to speak. Um, so I'm going to look at him and be like, well, uh, so I hear uh, there's, gonna, there's an actress going to be on board with us, Miss Bernhardt. Do you know her about her at all? Oh, yes. I saw her play on the Paris stage last year. She's uh, quite fetching. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've heard, um, I heard she does a good uh, Cordelia in King Lear. And when I say that, that comes off completely like I, almost as if I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> I hear her Cordelia is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he does. He does cock a bushy eyebrow at that, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, then he nods. You know, he just kind of says, "Yeah, I imagine yeah. it is." Any chance you think we could uh, get in the same room as her? Oh yes, I'm, I'm sure we can arrange an introduction. Um, you know this train, this uh, 
this train line is supposed to have all the amenities. That's good. Spared no expense. Um, what? A, and one last thing I'd like to ask Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just be like, uh, do, what are you going to be doing on this train in regards to the Empress? Well, I'll pay my respects on, uh, on behalf of uh, President Grant and, uh, you know, just kind of make the rounds, the life of the uh, diplomatic corps, you know. So as he's saying that, uh, the, the procession's been going by this entire time as, you know, they're filtering into the, the train station. The Empress went by a couple minutes ago. So Frederick, you're kind of coming up in the train behind the Empress and you hear that, you know. So, uh, speaking also, of which, what now occurs to me, I don't know if you speak English or not, but uh, anyway, go on. Um, that's a good point. Um, what is so? What would my official duties be in this kind of situation as a an attaché? Like, what yeah, I mean, you're you're you know what do they call it? Like a minister without portfolio right now. So uh, you're just you know you you're actually on a business trip. You know, you're traveling to Paris, and it's just like, oh yeah, well, since the empress is going to be there. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, you'll just be traveling in her uh, private car with the rest of the, you know, with rest of her party, basically. Okay, but I'm free to travel around. Oh, uh, sure. Mingle with other passengers. It's not like I'm like strictly business at this point. No, you 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 you'll get your assignment when you arrive in Paris. So for right now, okay. just like a yeah, it's like an all expense paid business trip. You, know, you just relax. You know, okay. relax. Just chill out. <laughs> <laughs> what you're so good that's, at yeah it's your mo yeah oh yeah very relaxed all the time very yeah. chill yeah. uh do i recognize uh mark twain would yes I... you would yes you, okay. you recognize him as as uh the french ambassador or the ambassador to france i should say okay so i'll uh kind of step out from the procession and mm-hmm. approach taking mm-hmm. my cap off mm-hmm. and uh offering my hand uh, Mr. Right. twain Oh, yes. Yeah. So you can see him like kind of searching his, his mental Rolodex there for a second. And he's like, Mr. Haas, pleased to, uh, pleased to see you here. I'm honored you to remember me. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tip my hat mm-hmm. um, and say, uh, how would I address this guy? Um, well, I mean, since you're meeting him for the first time, an exchange of cards would be in order. Ah, that's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tip my hat and uh, reach in my reach in my uh, my breast pocket and then kind of like pat myself down and, and then reach into my back pocket and pull out a little card. Oh, yes, of course. Excellent. So I'll uh, reach in and pull out a little metal, you know, container, flip it up, a little silver container, flip it open and pull out a card and hand it uh, to Grant, Grizzly Grant Morgan. Mm-hmm. You tell a lot about a man, about uh, how he handles his business cards. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll hand it to you and I'll say, uh, is it morning? I would assume it's morning. Yes. Okay, good. So, yeah. I say, uh, good morning, sir. Uh, Grant Morgan at your surface. Here in accompaniment of Mark Twain here. Ah, uh, yes. Please meet you. Uh, I am Frederick Haas, and uh, I would uh, like to extend uh, my congratulations on uh, your 
arrival, I suppose. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, very, very good. Yeah, thank you very much, sir. Uh, are you uh, uh, Deutsch? I'm from uh, Innsbruck, in Austria. Oh, fantastic! I'm from uh, well, nowhere you'd ever heard of. I'm, I'm sure. Across the pond. Uh, yes, very good. Americans, then. Yeah, same as Mr. Twain. Excellent. Is Mr. Twain? Is he have Is he look like he's uh, jumping at the bit to say something? Uh, well, he's just letting you letting you two get to know each other. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I say, uh, are you in the accompaniment of? Uh, the Empress? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, I have business in Paris, but I'm uh, uh, traveling with the uh, Empress on this journey. But uh, uh, speaking of which, I, I should probably get going, but perhaps later we can have dinner on the uh, dining car. Please, make it a drink. Ah, yes, of course. Well, good day to you. And to you, Mr. Twain. Good day, Mr. Haas. Mr. Haas. All right, so meanwhile, back inside the station uh so astrid you had a you had a moment there we go like why is my stuff always trying not to be it's trying to meet me it's trying to keep me down that's right yes like hearing that that was the professor reinhardt like the person who figured out the system that allows remote control of the engine i'm like fangirling out like and then like scanners over there and i'm like you do you even know who you helped oh oh wow this is a certainly a good day i would suppose that any teacher is worthy of esteem especially one at such a level of uh, professor but no i've never heard of this professor reinhardt and her lovely daughter sasha so at that compliment, uh, Sasha gives you, you know, a pretty big smile, Iskander. And, uh, and, and she says, um, <laughs> she says, you were, your timing was impeccable. It was nothing. I only did what anyone would have done un- under such circumstances. But it is a pleasure to meet you. My name is Iskander Rosan, late of Macedonia. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you indeed. Uh, I am Sasha Reinhardt, and this is my mother, Carla. How do you do? Uh, Mr. Ozan, do you have any immediate plans? I do not. The extent of my plans is to present myself to Professor Godot at the University of Paris. Well, this is a fortunate day indeed, then. This very train is bound for Paris, and we are due to board it any minute now. Won't you come aboard as my guest? It's the least I can do to thank you. I can't. I couldn't possibly. No, I insist. Well, well, if you insist, madam, I must comply. Yes, we would definitely love to go. That sounds very good. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right so um at that point um astrid you uh remember that you had also come to you know accompany uh professor engine master 
uh, on this That's on true. this particular journey, and uh, and indeed he is around. Uh, so you could very much you know arrange an introduction between him and Professor Reinhardt if you were so inclined. Yes, that would be good. <laughs> All right. So while that's going on, uh, Frederick, you come onto the platform. Uh, you spot another familiar face, uh, an ambassador from the the other side of the veil. Uh, Brexta Boland was her name, if you recall correctly. And uh, in fact, Katsabu has already uh, sauntered over and is saying hello in uh, his own catsy way. Sort of uh, doing yes, little, of little figure eights between her, her ankles. So I will uh, approach and uh, doff my cap with uh, the proper respect. Uh, good morning, Rexha. It's good to see you. You look wonderful. Why, hello, Freddie. How long has it been? Uh, that is an excellent question. Uh, time is quite strange in your land. Perhaps it has been a year, perhaps it has been longer. But even still, my memories of our enjoyable times are quite... Uh, crystalline in my mind. Oh good, I'm glad one of us remembers. Ah uh, yes, of course, and it looks like uh, Katsibu has found you. Oh yes, well, we were such fast friends before. Ah, you have met Katsibu before. Mm -hmm. Oh, That's of course. Quite unusual, I was not aware of that. Well, very good, yes, yeah, uh, many things to think about. Of course, in, in, in your experience, Frederick, you know, since these, these fey folk uh, view time as uh, happening all at once at times, you know, she could just be remembering meeting him right now. That's true. But, but uh, Frederick was also paranoid at first that Katsibu was a spy for the, Indeed. For the fairy. So uh, he, he, he got over that fear, but now it's bubbling up again. Yeah, it's yeah. like I was right. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Your cover is blown, Katsubu. Go, go. <laughs> How dare you, Katsubu, try to befriend me? <laughs> um, well, so are you traveling on this train? Yes, actually, it's my very first time. I'm, I'm quite excited. I must admit. Is it your first time on a train? Uh, not on the train, but on this one. Yes, this one is a very special train. The uh. Uh, uh some I forgot what it's called. What is the name of this engine? The uh, uh. uh well it's powered by a, a Babbage engine, an analytical engine rather. Yes, the Babbage engine, right? That's what they are calling it. Babbage's engine. Yes, uh, that sounds right. Yes, yeah, quite quite delightful. Well uh, then, since you know all about these things, I would love to hear about everything, trains. That you, I mean, I'm sure you must have seen other trains and know other things about trains. Come, we'll sit together and you can tell me all about it. Yes, trains. Uh, well, not quite the expert, but I'm sure we could have uh, a discussion. I'm uh, joining the, uh, the uh, journalist, Mark Twain, later for, for dinner. Perhaps you would like to join us. That sounds lovely. Yes, he's there with his friend, uh, Mr. Grant Morgan. Quite an interesting gentleman. Why? Uh, he has a lot of, uh, uh, what is that called? The Americans, uh, where is, it? is it buckskin or the, uh, the furs? He's a very, very striking individual. Oh. Well, I look forward to seeing these furs. Yes, they are very nice. 
Uh, but, uh, American ca- cowboy. <laughs> <He's>, yeah, <laughs> totally like the uh, German obsession with like the American. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so amazing. You were like, that's the picture books I read as a child. Um, so, Zima and then punch each other silly. <laughs> so, um, come Katsubu, uh, we will be late for the train. Yum, yum, come on. <laughs> All right, so Katsubu does indeed fall into line behind you. And, uh, and yes, the, uh, the conductors are calling for all aboard at this point. And the, uh, the crowd is beginning to, uh, you know, once again, cheer with excitement, uh, people waving goodbye, throwing confetti. You know, it's basically like a, like a steamship launch, essentially. And, um, and so uh, one by one, you all board the train. Uh, now, if you go to your Obsidian portal and you look on the wiki tab and then you scroll down, down at the bottom of the wiki, there is a link that says the Duchess Elizabeth. If you click on that, there's a floor plan. Uh, just, you know, in case you're curious, you can open it in a new tab for a closer look. Uh, but there are three sleeping cars. There is a parlor car, there's a dining car, and then of course the private car of the Empress. Uh, let's see here, I'm looking at the sleeping car diagram. Looks like there's two, two beds to a berth. Makes sense. All right, so uh, I am going, let's, let's, get, let's get everyone bunked up. So Iskander, Obviously, uh, you're a uh, a late addition, so you're just going to be uh, uh, thrown in with um, you know some other random passenger. Uh, Frederick, you're in the Empress's car. We'll get to that in a second. Grant, you would be bunking with Sam, no doubt. And I, so I guess that just leaves Astrid and Brexta to share a compartment to whatever extent a fairy needs a sleeping compartment. I don't know. <laughs> but, I like to think that I pretend to sleep at this point. It must be kind of fun. Humans do it all the time. Right. <laughs> it gets kind of boring otherwise, right? Just sitting around waiting for everyone to wake up. Eh. <laughs> like Katsubu. <laughs> yes, you're bunking with Katsubu. Uh No, actually, I'm looking at the Empress's car, and it looks like, of course, she has her own uh, stateroom. And then I'm seeing what appear to be two bunks in another compartment. So obviously, Frederick, you would be bunking up with your good friend, Carl Gross. <laughs> Mm, uh, was this his idea? You know, there's only so many, only so many beds to go around. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so the porters uh, show everyone to your, you know, cabins and uh, everything is kind of arranged as the train begins to slowly pull out from the station. 
Um, oh, actually, yeah. Iskander, I think you'd be bunking with uh, Rhyme Engine Master. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Lucky. <laughs> All right. So, um, so yeah. So there's, you know, that kind of settling in period as you're just kind of getting all your things arranged in your cabins. You watch out the windows as the train pulls away from the station and uh, begins making its way out of Vienna proper. And before you know it, you are out in the countryside. The train does seem to be moving at, at quite, a, uh, quite a healthy clip, as promised. Um, let's see. Anything, anything anyone wants to do in particular um, as the uh, train is underway? I'm definitely keeping uh, an eye out for Miss Bernhardt. Oh, okay, sure. Absolutely. Anybody else? Yeah, I'm going to pack uh, and then try to get out of the, the uh, sleeping car as quickly as possible, especially if uh, Carl Gross is there. So... I'll go, you know, just wander the train, check it out. You know, I am interested in, in the train in general, so maybe just one end to the other, kind of do a little tour. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would, unless I knew he was like sleeping or something, try to catch up with Rhyme Engine Master, make sure he doesn't need anything or if there's something I need to be doing or make sure no one's trying to steal his stuff, you know, just general thing. Right, right. Check in on Senpai. All right. Anybody else? I'm going to be occupied with securing my luggage in the closet of this uh, berth, what have you. Uh -huh. um, not only ensuring that it fits, but that it is properly secured because this is um, very, very important to me, the contents of this luggage. And if it's not locked properly, I'm going to have to find a way to uh, lock it, perhaps with a padlock of my own design, of which I would assume that I might have, and um, or something like that. So I can either accomplish this right away and then go mingle, or I'm going to be preoccupied with doing this, depending on how it shakes out. All right. Well, you are you're in the berth with Rhyme, uh, so he's kind of watching you, you know, <laughs> trying to secure this luggage uh, very, you know, uh, very quietly, but, but uh, attentively, you know, and, uh, and he says, you uh, transporting some valuable material there. Oh yes. Yes, indeed. Master rhyme. This is the prototype of my journeyman piece, which will unlock the door to my future. I am certain of it. If I can only puzzle out the components that have stymied me thus far, I will be able to complete it and attain journeyman status. As such, it is entirely unique and priceless to me. I thought I saw the hands of an inventor. Well, good luck to you. Ah, yes, thank you, thank you. Perhaps we can speak of inventions and other similar contrivances uh, as as the journey progresses. Hmm, perhaps. Uh, so at that point, Astrid, you, you know, come knocking. Yeah, I try to do my best dwarven greeting, so it's like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's not very good. Uh, I'm still learning. <laughs> uh, so, um, so he says, uh, oh, yes, Miss Faraday. Um, I think I'll be fine here in these quarters. Well, oh, yes. This is a very capable person. I met Mr. Ozan out um, uh, while we were waiting for the train. So I'm sure you'll be in fine company. But do call on me if you need anything. Of course. I think I'm just going to take a nap now, if you don't mind. Of course, of course. Do you need tea or no. milk? No, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Or beer? Perhaps some later. Okay. All right. Meanwhile, let's see. Elsewhere on the train. So, Frederick, you're getting settled in. Uh, and then how about Grant? You're going to start touring the car, uh, the train, right? Looking for... Yeah. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking for Miss Bernhardt. Um, I'm also not shy about looking for a drink. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Preferably, preferably some bourbon. I I need a good bourbon. All right. Well, the parlor car has everything you need there. Nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I think, you know, it's easy enough to say that eventually all of you gravitate towards the parlor car. It's, it's getting on to about midday. And, How uh, smooth is the ride on this train? Is it pretty bumpy or is it pretty... Well, you know, as far as trains go, it, it is a train. But, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty smooth. Okay. Uh, like smooth enough to uh, properly concoct like a traditional absinthe sort of uh, set up with a sugar cube and so forth? Or is, it, is that asking too much? I think you could, you could probably pull it off. Smothering, okay. uh, smothering the parrot this early, huh? <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, he'll uh, he'll be in the parlor car with uh, Katsubu, uh, a Katsubu riding shotgun as he's uh, carefully pouring the absinthe over the sugar cube. <laughs> this, this crazy motherfucker over here. <laughs> About noon. <laughs> <laughs> absinthe clock somewhere. <laughs> Ah, hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm definitely gonna. I mean, when I see you do that, I'm I'm gonna be like, wow. It's, I mean, I got the bourbon going, but it's just to relax, you know. <laughs> uh, Mr. Haas, good good seeing you. You doing all right? Oh yes, please, uh, please join me. I must apologize for the brevity of my uh, of our earlier meeting on the platform. I was looking for Katsubu here. He was uh, missing. But please, there's an uh, open seat. Oh, please, yeah, okay, I'll I'll sit down. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely in like casual mode. You know, I've I've got like my duster, uh, cowboy hat. You know, pretty pretty done up. I am wearing my uh, European whatever shirt I bought in London to like fit in with the locals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I take my hat off, uh, and my hair is kind of. Uh, uh, it's it's slicked back, uh, but it's all grease, you know, just from my own making. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I get my bourbon out and 
I start admiring Mr. Haas's uh, contraption here. Ah, yes. Uh, this is, uh, have you had this before? This is absinthe. Uh, seems like a awfully complicated way to get drunk. Well, uh, yes, it is complex, but uh, it is also um, quite uh, meditative in its own way. But uh, yes, let me uh, finish this up here. I apologize once again. Take a time. Ah, there we are. So, uh, Mr. Morgan, you are the, uh, the cowboy, yes? Well, you might call me that, yeah. Very intriguing. I wish to know more about this. Uh, you come from the uh, United States and the... Uh, where exactly? Uh, well, I was born in the territories. Um, spent most of my time there, but uh, I spent a few years in California. That kind of, I'm sure you've heard of that. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. Nothing too exciting, I'm afraid. Uh, spent some time in war, but haven't we all? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, <laughs> I'll drink. <laughs> um, I, yes, I've, uh, I, I've had fought, fought battles, but they are mostly mental battles inside my own mind. Oh, yes. I understand. That must be rough. Uh, yes, it was unpleasant. But I am better now, sort of. Mildly. I have my moments. Well, that's good to hear, Mr. Haas. So, uh, well, yeah, tell me. Uh, so, what brings you uh, to Her Royal Majesty's uh, employ? Honestly, uh, chance. I uh, am a diplomat with the Royal Embassy in Vienna, and I have a, an assignment in Paris, and it just so happened that the Empress was traveling, and I am here as her uh, attaché. Can you speak on your assignment in Paris, or is that top secret? To be honest, I do not know what it is yet. So uh, I'm a man, a man of mystery. You. Okay, I like that. I uh, I'm also on my way to Paris, if it's not evident by these tracks we're on. Yes, uh, that is a good thing. You're on the right train. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not on a, a mission or anything. I'm not a diplomat. Um, hardly have any station. I just have a little bit of money, that's all. Well, that is good. Uh, yes, very good. I, um, I suppose we are all here for a reason. And uh, what, uh, what better reasons than to uh, spend a little money, yes? Spend a little money, make some friends, and I'll kind of like... Uh, like tip my drink to you, you know, and uh, yeah, I'll knock my one drink back. as well. There you go. Well, I'll knock one back. I'll say, "Here's to you, Mister Haas," and to you, Mister Morgan. All right. So, um, at that moment, the uh, compartment door, the car door. Slides open at one end, and in comes this very statuesque-looking woman, you know, with these sort of captivating gimlet eyes and her hair all done up in this very elaborate uh, pile, you know. And um, pretty much every head, you know, turns to look. You know, there's just this, like, kind of natural magnetism that follows her around. And, uh, you know, 
you hear a few people whispering like, Sarah Bernhardt, that's her. <clears throat> I'm going to finish my drink and say, uh, Mr. Haas, if you'll excuse me, and I'll stand up and start walking towards uh, the lady of the hour. All right. Um, so meanwhile, um, let's see. Uh, Astrid, you know, uh, you and uh, Iskander have been, you know, invited over to a little corner booth by Sasha. And so she has uh, seated herself there with you and she's <laughs> just kind of going on about her mother and her work, you know, and she says, uh, oh yeah, she's she's up at the front right now, just uh, just hooking up the automated telegraphic punched card shuffler. Oh yes, the, the shuffler, that's that's the whole thing. It lets them control it. You don't have to have a pilot at all. It's amazing. Yes, no, it's it's really, I mean, the 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 technology has been there for a while to make these engines run on their own without human pilots, but they're they're just machines. They don't they can't actually respond to any environmental stimulus. So with the shuffler, uh, that can now be integrated into the into the analytical engine in a way that allows it to respond to disruptions on the track or other unexpected uh, you know events going on during the train journey and it makes it safe. That's mm. what I love like these inventions that help everyone. Here here well said. That's making me question my own inventive endeavors, though. <laughs> He's slacking. And I do have, hey. like, in my little spot on the table, like, stuff ready for, like, tea, milk, and beer in case I need to be called away. <laughs> okay. It's ready to go. Nice. I feel like so, I'm um, trying to cram myself into this corner booth and just before giving up and you know, dragging over a nearby ottoman to kind of hunker down on instead. <laughs> Why has it got to be an ottoman? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, you note, Iskander, that Sasha's definitely giving you, uh, you know, a lot of very appreciative looks. Um, if you didn't know better, you'd say she was flirting with you. Hmm wonder what I would roll if this was a different type of game to pick up on that or not. <laughs> well, do you have, do you, is your poor ability anything relating to interpersonal skills? What's your poor ability? Stealth. Ah, um, hmm. Yeah. So it's you're not particularly for me to sneak around. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> the floorboards always creak. Um, yeah, no, it's it's definitely not. You're so you're not like oblivious. You're not an oblivious person. I know you were saying like uh, you kind of had a bad experience and that that puts you off, but that's just more of a you know personal choice rather than the inability to sense that somebody's being friendly. Yeah, I feel like I would be um, you know as a, as a young man entirely inexperienced with the fairer sex, I would be uh, quite nervous. And prone to uh, flushing um, under her scrutiny. Indeed. 
you might stammer a bit, be a little awkward. Indeed. All right. So as that's going on, uh, as I mentioned, uh, uh, Miss Bernhardt has entered and she sees uh, Brexta, uh, who is, you know, perhaps nursing a, a flute of champagne or, or something appropriate of that nature, uh, and, uh, and sort of swans over to you and says, Miss Boland, Miss Boland, it is so, such an honor to see you aboard this train. And she, um, she gives she gives you the little air kiss, you know. Uh, she has to bend quite quite far down to make that happen. But I, I stand on my tiptoes to, to receive right. her. I keep forgetting you're like three and a half feet tall. <laughs> I'll say four. I'm on the tall side. Oh, okay. All right. You're statuesque. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah, but absolutely. Miss Bernhardt, this is a, a pleasure to see you. Yes, indeed. Uh, tell me, you must, you must tell me everything you've been up to since the last time we talked. And she kind of leads you over to, uh, you know, another little settee, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, of course, Grant, you see this, this whole thing uh, go down. Yeah, I don't want to be uh, rude or, or make an ass out of myself. Mm -hmm. um, so I probably just stand there awkwardly while they, uh, like... A, like far enough to where it doesn't look, it doesn't look like I'm waiting in line, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> but still definitely like you cannot, you cannot uh, not see me. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that horrible feeling of being at a party, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. waiting for somebody to wave you into the conversation. All right. Yeah. And I've got like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like holding the brim of my hat, like down by my stomach and <laughs> <laughs> Oh, kind of do like you uh, do you rock a Stetson? By the way, do you, oh, do, you do a ten gallon? Absolutely, absolutely. Nice, nice. All right. So, Brexta, you see this this you know frontiersman uh, <laughs> nearby. You might smell the first. I don't know. <laughs> well, did did you did you slam an absinthe shot, or did, were you doing your own bourbon? Just the bourbon. I didn't. Okay. I didn't touch the green stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that we have our own green fairy in the uh, in the train as it is. <laughs> so I imagine right. I'll kind of glance at him and notice the skins. Like, good heavens, are you the deer man? Well, you might call me that, ma'am. <laughs> like, come here. Let me let me get a closer look. How odd. Yeah, I stand there and. I'm like definitely acknowledging uh, Brexta, but I'm more looking at Miss Bernhard. Mm -hmm. uh, I do quick question about the the world and the game. Perhaps mm -hmm. would would Brexta immediately pick up that like I'm capable of magic, and if so, is like doing magic a big deal? Oh, interesting. Gosh, that's a that's an excellent question. Uh, since since I don't <laughs> since I don't have a ready answer, uh, what do you think, Brexta? Well, uh, out of character, I know um, there were other like historical periods when the fairies encountered um, humans who could do magic. And in fact, kind of, it was much more common, like everyone could do it to a relatively high degree by comparison. So I don't think it would seem 
so strange, maybe just a little anachronistic, um, more novel probably than anything else. Okay. Yeah. I'm cool. fine with being a novelty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, so you can he definitely see he's more though. than just a, uh, he's more than just right. a cowboy. There's something else to him there. So yeah. right. it's the smell. It's the smell. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little spicy with the dirt. <laughs> I smell like spicy dirt. <laughs> Brute. <laughs> Brute. It just sent me back to my dad's bathroom. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What's that Johnny Depp one? Sauvage. Or... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Lord. Walking around piles of cow dung and skulls and shit like that. <laughs> that commercial's ridiculous. If you haven't oh seen gosh. it, YouTube that shit, it's I'm definitely going to look that up. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to look at Brexton, you know, while she's like admiring my novelty, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I've ever, and uh, uh, I probably this, in character, I don't know that I've ever seen um, a person of your stature before, miss. Oh, well, clearly you've never had the pleasure of meeting a Nixie, one of the ladies of the lake, but I will forgive your ignorance. Oh. Surprisingly common in your kind. Uh, ladies of the lake, um, you in the business of doling out swords? I beg your pardon. <laughs> oh, I got racist real quick. <laughs> it, it is true that like the European fairy folk don't really go in the New World because the New World has its own spirits and its own, you know, like, uh, so yeah, it's like there's definitely kind of a divide there. <laughs> if only Mark Twain were there oh, yeah. inspiration <laughs> to smooth things over <laughs> given that he's a, a Yankee hey, I'm, a far away court yeah it's true yeah, <laughs> yeah so this Nixie's uh, shooting daggers at you uh, yeah I'd be like, uh, I might pick that up Mm-hmm. And say, uh, you know, mean and no offense. I just, uh, I'm a big fan of the old stories. You can tell I'm a, I'm an old timer myself. I, I, you know, grew up with that kind of stuff. I appreciate uh, your curiosity. I suppose it is only natural. Uh, you perhaps are thinking of some of my cousins, but no, not all lake ladies are, um, shall we say, sword givers. Uh, another question, David. Yes. Uh, given that the Empress is on is on board, uh, would I would any of us have been allowed to carry on weapons? Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, good question. Uh, anything packed up would be fine. Um, obviously, they're not doing like full body pat downs or anything. Now, if the Empress were to walk into the car. They might, you know, or or at least okay. ask people to, you know, uh, turn over any any arms they have on them at the moment. But yeah, like you know, if you if you have a little a little piece, you know, tucked up under your your jacket or whatever, or or sword cane, for example, uh, that oh, should be okay. fine. Yeah, I kind of just want to in in uh, in in relation to the sword comment, um, since she's not doling out swords, you know, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, I. Uh, I say, well, that's no problem. I got this little, this here, and I think it'll do me over. And I'll kind of like open up my jacket, and you can see, uh, just like a Colt six shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
holstered in my uh, so you so you know I'm the real deal. <laughs> right. I think that my facial expression is a little like the kind you give when you're indulging a child. Like, oh, that's so nice. Like, good for you. That's <laughs> lovely. I, I'm like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> nice. All right. So, um, <laughs> Excellent. So, of course, uh, your your primary reason for coming over was to uh, to talk right. to Miss Bernhardt. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So we've got that going on. So, of course, uh, Grant turns and begins chatting with her. Uh, we've got Astrid and Iskander socializing with Sasha. We've got Frederick getting crunk on uh, absinthe. Excellent, excellent. Um, okay, so um, you know, a little bit of time passes in in that in that regard, in that theme, and um, presently, uh, Professor Reinhardt enters the the car, and uh, so Sasha, you know, excuses herself and goes over and greets her mom. And, uh, meanwhile, uh, Grant, you've, you've had a chance to talk to, uh, to Miss Bernhardt and, and get a few, get a few leads, you know, on what's going on. So this would actually be a, a perfect opportunity for me to highlight one of the things they suggest in the game here. Let me just see if I can find the relevant sections. Curse this 20, seven-year-old binding if it falls apart in my very hands. Um, let's see here. So basically they said that, you know, the action of the game is either taking place on stage or off stage. And on stage is what we're doing right now. But they suggest that for off stage, you know, that's an opportunity to like develop other plot lines that are going on uh, you know, sort of parallel to the action that's going on on stage, right? And so what they, I'm just looking for the section because they, they summed it up nicely, but um, eh, it's not presenting itself to me. Anyway, what they said is that you, like basically anyone can use that, you know, they can use that that venue. Uh, so they even said like two two players could do like an offstage uh thing you know in between sessions right where you're kind of like maybe like on the obsidian portal in our case or through an email thread or something just like kind of developing out some you know background action that's going on that's cool uh, yeah so like in this case you know kenny you and i can like do a little thing you know during the week where it's like oh what did you talk about and then we'll figure out what kind of clues got dropped and then you know later on in the next uh the next installment, you know, maybe that'll come back around, right? That'll Love that idea. Cool. That would be cool. Excellent. Um, okay, so, but at this point, uh, Professor Reinhardt has entered the, ca the car and, uh, you know, Sasha has gone over, they're chatting a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> and then, um, uh, you know, Professor Reinhardt uh, turns to the rest of you and she says, uh, 
She says, ladies and gentlemen, the train is now running under its own power. Uh, I have hooked up the automated telegraphic punch card shuffler, and I would very much like to show you all how it works. Yes, so is there yes, enough room yes. in the parlor yes. car for how wide Astrid's eyes get and mine at the same time? <laughs> create a singularity or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Yes, and a black hole is spontaneously created in the campaign. That's, the, that's the mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> the mayhem part, that's right. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot. We're in, we're in chapter two now, actually. The chapter one was mayhem on the platform, but obviously getting on the train did take us into chapter two. Tram of Terror. <gasps> yeah, no, it's been pretty terrifying so far, I know. Well, so. there wasn't a lot of mayhem on the platform either, so maybe this is a... That's true. That's yeah, true. it was a minor cudgel showing. Yeah, cudgel brandishing, but that wasn't really yeah. too scary. You know, cudgel brandishing on the platform, it just doesn't have the same kind of zip or ring to it. So, yeah. That was actually what I was going to call my memoir. Cudgel brandishing on the platform. <laughs> nice. Um, you know, I mean, it's mayhem in the Victorian sense, right? It was some, it was some rude toughs threatening a woman. That's that's mayhem enough, frankly. So, yeah. like sensationalized. Yeah, I don't know if I can handle much more, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Um, uh, yeah, so she has invited all of you to uh, check out this uh, this machine, this contraption. Uh, the gentleman that I am, of course, would allow a gesture for Astrid to go in front of me, but otherwise that would be first in line. I mean, she's not even done speaking the sentence when I'm like, holy shit, striding over there. So, but, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, sir, I cannot see over you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this does give me an opportunity to use one of my many literally translated Swedish sayings Ooh. for how I feel about this at this point to be, drag me back. I cannot believe we get to go see it. Drag me back. Nice. All right. Uh, so yeah, so she's more than happy to, uh, to show off her, her pride and joy, her masterpiece, um, however, uh, Ms. Bernhardt demurs. She's had a bit too much of the bubbly. She's going to go lie down. But the rest of you proceed onwards with the professor. Can we bring our drinks? You can bring your drinks. A little to-go cup. <laughs> yeah, I, like, roadie. I like your style. <laughs> <laughs> you just get out this like well-used, you know, 7-Eleven, 64 ounce and just, you know, <laughs> pour it in there. <laughs> big gulps, huh? Big gulp, yeah. <laughs> As the latest mentioned, it's called the big gulp. <laughs> it's called the grosse gulp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, as she's like... He's quite the afarshamire. <laughs> they might say that. Um, so as the professor is uh, leading you to, towards the front of the train, she's sort of, you know, talking back over her shoulder and she's saying, I've heard the press call this train Babbage's engine because of its automated driver. It is an amusing title, but not an entirely accurate one. 
You see, my friends, this is the automated telegraphic punch card shuffler. While the analytical engine which operates the train is a wonder, it cannot see ahead. It does not know the conditions of the track, kilometers ahead or indeed around the next bend, and thus needs information about the route deviations, dangers on the track, and so forth from down the line. My beautiful creation can accept this information in the form of telegraphic signals sent cleverly along the track and up through the wheels and into my invention. The automated telegraphic punched card shuffler then spins and inserts the proper sequence of punch cards into the Babbage engine in order to change the train's operating instructions. And, uh, and so as she's saying this, she's bringing you into the front car and there's like this massive bank, you know, so you enter this car, there's like this massive bank of, uh, you know, just wires and, um, you know, switches and diodes and like this big three foot, uh, or yeah, three foot diameter, uh, like ship's wheel basically, you know, and you can just hear it, you know, like clicking and clacking and the sound of like cards being shuffled and distributed inside of its guts. There's also the sound of Iskander furiously taking notes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, all this stuff just goes right over my head. How about Frederick? Yeah, this is all uh, this is all German to me. <laughs> is that the things that they say? <laughs> no, Katibu, get out of there. Oh my god. Hold on wires. <laughs> All right. Um so uh so yeah, so you're just uh you know, you're all taking this in. Um all of a sudden the train lurches rather violently. Um Grant, you slip sideways and suddenly find yourself losing your balance as uh the uh the laces you, you realize the laces on your uh buckskin boots have been tied together somehow. I'm livid. <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> but uh, you do manage to, to keep your footing, you know, brace yourself against the wall. Uh, but yes, no, the train, the train did uh, lurch quite unnaturally. And uh, uh, Professor Burkhardt and, and Sasha both look around with alarm. You know, Professor's like, that shouldn't be. Maybe it's just noticed something on the tracks. It's, it's probably just doing its job. I'm sure yeah. everything is fine. Well, that felt like an outside disturbance. Something hit the train, it seems like. And uh, at that point, the, the door to the car that you just, you know, you came in through uh, slides open again. And you see at least two uh, rather grim-faced men, uh, both wearing uh, matching black uniforms, each with a Gothic-style golden D uh, embroidered uh, over their uh, left breast, um, standing in the doorway. They both are brandishing drawn uh, pepper box revolvers, and they have sabers sheathed at their sides. Well, uh, I'm going to 
Well, first of all, I guess before all that happened, as soon as my I realized my shoelaces were tied, I'm going to look at Brexit because I'm pretty sure she did this. <laughs> when? When and how could I possibly have done it? I was with Sarah this whole time. Oh, that's, just, that's just something a mischievous fairy lady might say <laughs> to, a, to an old timer like me who just likes swords. But... <laughs> I assume he's just a sword guy. I'm just a sword guy. I I assume I can't do anything about my shoelaces at the moment. Well, I mean, you could, uh, but yes, there are now there are now some menacing men. Uh, does anyone have great connections? Does anyone have connections above average level? Yes, I do. All right, Frederick. If you want, you can uh, do a test to try and identify what that gothic golden D uh, stands for. Sure. So how, how would I do that? Okay. So what level is your connections? A good, it's I think? Yep. Yes. All right. So that's worth six points. And then let me make myself a little cheat sheet here. And then to, uh, to get up to great level, you need, you need to play only two more points from your hand. So uh, let's see. This would be a social or status-related activity. So that would be the suit of swords. So if you have a sword in your hand, you could play that at face value. Or you could play two non-swords hands for one point each and get to eight that way. Okay, so you said I only need two, right? Yeah. And there's nothing above eight. That's the highest you can go. Uh, No, I mean, you can exceed it if you wanted to. Would there be any real benefit to that or uh well i actually yeah i mean the, the the more you exceed the the target the better your success so if your total is equal to uh greater than the required level it's a partial success if it's greater if it's equal to greater than half again so that would be 12 12 or higher it's a success and if it's double which would be a 16 that's a high success so, for example, with the Skander, he got a high success because he got a 16 and he against a, a value of six. Uh, so, you know, he basically just cowed those guys and they ran off. You know. Oops, sorry about that. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm going to play the King of Swords. I'm going to see what see what happens. Yep. Wow, throwing, to, throwing it down. <laughs> okay, the King of Swords, indeed. So that's a great success. Um, all right, so uh, basically, let's see here, or a high success, I should say. And okay, so you immediately recognize being being the diplomat that you are. You you know you must be familiar with all the the great and small lords of Europe, and so this is both the personal uh, monogram and the uh, sort of, uh, what would you say, diplomatic symbol for uh, Lord Dyer of Trevania. Uh, Trevania being a small principality uh, located in the uh, Eastern Alps, and Lord Dyer being none other than Lord Anton Dyer hereditary ruler of Trevania. And with that uh, high success, I would say that 
you know a lot about this guy, uh, mostly because he's considered to be sort of a rogue actor on the international scene. Uh, he is um, somewhat, you know, unpredictable, perhaps even unstable, um, and uh, fancies himself, you know, a much bigger fish than, uh, than he really is. Uh, you're also uh, aware of his interest in aeronautics. Is he considered a threat to the Empress in any way? Do we know if he's like, a, is, is he an opposition to her? Is he a kind of uh, something I should be worried about from that standpoint? You are, you're not aware of any active opposition on his part. Um, you know, he, his principality is, you know, on the borders of Austria-Hungary, um, but he's never made any trouble for the emperor, the emperor or empress, to your knowledge. Okay, and I'm assuming he wouldn't want to start now. So I will step forward and say, by the authority of the Royal Embassy of Vienna and the Empress, Elizabeth of Austria, please stand aside. <laughs> All right. So, um, <clears throat> so the, the guy in the lead uh, quickly swings his pistol around and points it at you. And he says, we don't want any trouble with the, with the Empress or anybody else on this train. We've merely come for the professor and her remarkable engine. The rest of you can step off this car. That is not going to happen. I'm going to look around for like a wrench or something, <laughs> other uh, improvised weapon of some sort, <laughs> a spanner. Um, oh, there, mean, yeah, anything? there might be a little spanner uh, leaning up between two of the, you know, two of the superstructures inside the uh, shuffler. Yeah, you might notice me like putting my giant Mary Poppins bag down, and when I open it, it jangles because it's full of like spanners and hammers and whatnot. Uh And I say, you've planted your last potato, and I'm pulling out a tool of some kind. Yes, that is a saying. (laughs) That is is way more racist than whatever I said about swords. It's a Swedish saying. We freaking love potatoes, dude. And that's your last one. That's all you get. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll uh, I'll grab the little spanner because I don't think I have anything in my toolkit that would be better for a improvised weapon. Um, Really not the toolkit that I carry on my person at least. mm -hmm. Uh, So, but I mean, you know, Better than nothing, because <laughs> I can throw it. While which I'm is my plan. While I'm uh, kind of kneeling down, trying to get my dang shoelaces untied. <laughs> Braxton. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm definitely gonna like kind of pull my coat aside so that I can I have easy access to my revolver because I hear you've planted your last potato and I know what that means. <laughs> You can you can pick it up through the context, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, and how about Brexta? Um, I think I would like to uh, evoke my etherealness 
I would like to uh, slip behind them, if possible. Nice. Yeah, I'd say in the in the sort of close confines of the car, they might not have even seen you to begin with, since you're so diminutive. You know, I'm hoping yeah that I just kind of look like a puff of very colorful steam. Mm, yeah, totally. All right, let's see here. How does that etherealness work exactly? I was just looking it up. It <laughs> is a physical um, task, mm -hmm. I think. Okay. Yep. Uh, which is wands, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, actually, it's in my book here. It has it corresponding to spades, which translates to swords. Okay. So, Fabulous. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Uh, so let's see here. What do, what do you have it at? Good? I have it at average, actually. Average. Uh, with average, you could pass through wooden walls only, become like a thick fog, fly slowly. Okay. So uh, yeah. I'm imagining I can just kind of, again, like sort of, uh, sort of like sink to the floor and sort of between them kind of a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like a, like a heavy gas. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So there you go. Uh, okay. So yeah, it's, it's a very tense moment. Uh, Frederick, you know, you've got this uh, revolver pointed right at your guts. Uh, and so he said, we're just here for the, for the professor. What do you want to do that? Katsubu, go warn the empress and I'll draw my sword cane. <laughs> All right, so the cat takes off as you uh, as you unsheathe your sword cane. Ha! Ah, have at you. All right, so um, you want to try and uh, bat the uh, bat the the revolver away, or what do you think? Uh, yeah, maybe as I draw it, because you know it's hopefully unexpected that it's a sword. Mm -hmm. I'll be able to, in one you know fluid motion, draw it and kind of hit the barrel up as I do so. Excellent. All right. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's do a thing here. So this is going to be like kind of an opposed contest, like I said earlier. And, um, and it's, uh, it's one in which uh, we are looking for uh, clubs because that's the physical activity. And so if you have any, or what I'm saying, clubs, that's the old suit. Wands is the physical activity. And uh, so if you have any wands in your hand, uh, you can play those for face value. Do I immediately get another card, or does that happen after I've expended all of them? Ah, let's see here. Let's use uh, new cards. New cards are gained every time a card is used to perform a feat. That sounds like it's right away. Uh, for myself, now of course you you add your play to uh, uh, to your fencing ability. Yes, so my mm -hmm. fencing is good. Okay. And you said I need two. Does any get to up to an eight? Is that correct? Oh well, in this case, since it's an opposed, we're really just seeing who can get the highest total. Uh, so I'm gonna say, you know, like marksmanship is for shooting, but since you are kind of like just trying to sort of bat it away from him, I'm actually gonna give him a. I'm gonna base my reaction on courage. Because it, you know, I'm going to see if he flinches from you or not, right? Okay. So uh, my courage is good, so that is a six. And then, what did you say your fencing was? 
Also good. Also good. So we're both at six. Uh, so whatever we can do to bid that up, basically, with, with the play, play of the cards. Uh, so what would you like to play? Well, I have no wands to play, so that's a good start. Mm-hmm. Uh, good. So I'm just going to dump all four cards and bump it up to 10 and hope for the best. That sounds good. Is that a strategy that people do? That I think I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All in, uh, buddy. All in. That's right. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Cool. So that would uh, that would get you a partial success then, because you're not you're not at double his level, which is six. I'm going to choose not to play anything just because I don't have any wands either. Um, so whoops. Oh man, I just hit the uh, the click and drag on the background here. Your map might shift around dramatically. Uh, just trying to get it. Real quick question. Okay. Yes, go ahead. Um, is there like an initiative system in this game, or is it just can we just be like, hey, I want to go next? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much like uh, yeah, if, if you've got an idea and it fits in the in the flow. You know, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, so with a partial success, uh, I'm going to say that you did manage to get him to back off and flinch away, uh, but you did not like knock the pistol out of his hand or anything like that. He's still holding it. Okay. Okay, so the flash of steel uh, as a strange fog begins to uh, envelop your ankles. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, so uh, does Grant, does Grizzly Grant have a move now? Uh, I, I'm, I figured I would probably go last because I'm messing with my shoelaces. <laughs> that totally makes sense. All right. Who's next? Seeing this, I feel like I would definitely um, heft the, the spanner while um, muttering to Astrid something about force equaling mass times acceleration and then reaching back, flinging it end over end like a throwing knife with all my strength um, right at the uh, sweet spot on the um, the soldier that Frederick did not attack at his uh, companion. The guy kind of behind him, yeah. All right, cool. So there were two, right? Uh, two that you can see, yeah. They're sort of taking up the door frame, so there might be more behind them. Okay. Does the door open in towards us or out the other way so the old sliding job little sliding oh, sliding door okay you know. gotcha that might work mm-hmm. okay uh cool so you are <laughs> sending this this uh this heavy wrench right at this guy's head um <clears throat> let's see so that's technically a ranged attack um let's see here what is your, do you have marksmanship? I do not. Okay, so that means it defaults to average. average. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that. And um, so that's a value of four. And is there anything you would like to play to augment that? So that's a uh, physical attack. Mm-hmm. Is- Am, am I mistaken? That is correct. So that would be uh, wands. Yeah, let's drop a page of wands on that and see if that Ooh, helps. Oh, damn. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, there's really not much I can do to compete with that. So that 11 plus the 4 is a 15. Uh, let's see. Against a 6. All right, so that is uh, a full success. And what would be the equivalent? Okay. Wound types indicate damage at different success levels. Okay. Okay, cool. All right, so um, yeah, with a full success, um, you uh, hit him with like kind of a glancing blow on his skull, and it definitely it definitely shakes him. You know, he he staggers back. It would make a satisfying ping sound as a warning to other. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, oh, and I owe Alex four cards. Just remind me if I forget to deal out new cards at any time. And, I, have a, uh, yeah. I have a real quick question. Yeah. Are aces value one? Aces are high, actually. So they are valued at 15. Oh, sick. <laughs> not that I have one. <laughs> no, certainly not. <laughs> Jeez, I, got a, I, I had a crummy hand. Yes, go ahead, Jade. Oh. <laughs> If this one guy is staggering, uh -huh. I'm ostensibly behind them. Can I take form and maybe like take him out from the back of the knee? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping uh, strength is involved in that. Perhaps I can use physique. Yes, I'd say physique is perfect. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Sweep the leg. Exactly. What you do? What's my target for that? Uh, let's see. So he's staggering backwards. So I'd say like only four, really. Excellent. I have a four. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have average physique. I have good physique. You have good physique. So that's 10 total. Uh, so that is more than double. So that is a full success. So yeah, so he staggers backwards right as you rematerialize and do the old, you know, look out behind you trick. And, uh, you know, of course, you're right on the on the little platform, you know, at the end of the car, and there's a nice little gap between the two cars. So he just goes right over you and just like with a Wilhelm scream and just goes right under the wheels of the train. Fabulous. <laughs> Do not mess with the fate folk. They I'll learn. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, since you're kind of out on that back platform there, Brexta, uh, you realize it's like much dimmer than it should be. There's like very little sunlight as if a massive cloud were blocking the sun. Well, that seems unusual for here. Mm -hmm. Can I use my perception to see what that is. Yes, is that above average? It is good. Excellent. So uh, so yeah, easily, easily seen actually, uh, as you kind of look around, uh, there's something directly above the train. Could it like, be a diabolical airship? <laughs> you know, it very well could. <laughs> Phenomenal. 
<laughs> um, yeah, no, there's there's actually several cables uh, descending from this thing. It's like a giant, you know, floating platform essentially, with some cables descending from hatches in the bottom of the platform. And uh, yeah, more of these guys in black uniforms are, you know, repelling down as we speak. Man. About how many? Uh, right now, from your vantage point, you just see two. Mm. All right, who just played the lovers? I did. I'm just discarding it because I got another extra major. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Okay, cool. Yes. Thank you. I recall that. Thank you. I'm like, hmm, that's a that's an interesting timing. Uh, <laughs> oh, all that one's actually pretty interesting. All for one and one for all. Allow the entire party exactly one minute to trade cards or exchange hands as desired. Cards representing drawn power for sorcery may not be included in this exchange. Hmm. All right. So that is what's going on outside the car. Meanwhile, inside the car, we had this guy who got uh, sort of thrown back by uh, Frederick's uh, uh, sword draw. And I'd say by this point, uh, Grant, you have untied your, your buckskin. So what would you like to do? Okay. Um, well, I've, I've got easy access to my revolver right now, my six-shooter. Mm -hmm. um, at this point, one of these fools has already been crunched by the train, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. So there's how many how many people are like how many of these villains are in front of me? Uh really just the one. Okay, cool. And Frederick is kind of well, I, I am famed for my sharpshooting in America. Y'all may not have heard of me here, but um I would like to uh I'd like to try to, you know, cap this dude. One shot, one kill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um And that would be that would be uh wands, right? That would be uh wands indeed, yes. Okay, great. Um okay, cool. Well, so I just tell you so I'm I'm good at marksmanship, which means I have a plus six. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh then, yes. That that's oh, one way of looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And then what uh and then I just need to beat this guy and that's it, right? His head's gone. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, let's see. Range attacks may be made up of twice effective range. Firing one less than one quarter effective range means a two point advantage. doesn't really explain what an advantage is, which is uh, unfortunate. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but yes, um, normally, normally uh, it, is, it is an opposed role. So we're just going to go with that. For now okay opposed role huh opposed feet opposed yeah, task he might be able to like jump out of the way or something yeah exactly I'll, I'll get some clarification on range attacks before next session but yeah we'll just go with that for now all right so what would you like to play um <clears throat> well <laughs> well sir <laughs> uh yeah we established it was wands uh-huh uh, so I'm dropping an Ace of Wands, uh -huh. <laughs> which I guess takes my headshot to a robust 21. Ooh, robusto. 
I like how the I like how the art looks like his little hand coming out to go. Oh yeah, one of my favorites. Uh, all right. Um, cool. So, uh, what is that? Twenty one. You said total. Twenty one total. Twenty one total. I, okay. I say one shot, one kill, but I probably. Uh, with a six shooter, I probably fire more American style. So I could be like down messing with my shoelaces and then I draw Ooh. my gun and I'm like, bam, 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 bam. You oh, know? Yeah. Yeah. From a kneeling position. Totally. Yep. Love it. Bam, bam, All right. Over. With a rifle, I'm more like, take your time, mm-hmm. all the time in the world, you know? Right. Right. Okay. So let's see here. He's got a good physique. So that is... That is still triple, more than triple, uh, his physique. And I can't really play any cards to get it any better than that. Plus, you know, who cares? Who cares about this guy? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, he was three days away from retirement, but still. <laughs> All right. So that's a high success on Thank that bad boy. And um, let's see here. I want some like I'm definitely I mean obviously like this dude is gone. Yeah. Uh but I definitely want some uh some like bullet holes in like the door arch behind him like wood splintering, you know, and that <laughs> that hole, that hole. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you you light him up and yeah. he he kind of, you know, does a little spin into the door jam. <laughs> yeah, as as the bullets, you know, tear through the the material, the the wall, and the materials around it, and uh, you know, uh, Professor Reinhardt screams, you know, and uh, and and the guy just kind of sinks down along the door jam, you know, clutching his bullet wounds as you know totally. blood smears up, you know, behind him. I I stand up, and uh, I, I'm imagining like uh, everybody kind of turns and looks at me, like Haas is looking at me um the the young the young miss the young professor yeah. is, is looking at me yeah. and uh my gun's smoking and i just like tip my hat and i say ma'am <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right um okie dokie so yes um that's that sorted for now but as soon as that happens, like you know, seconds after your your moment there, the uh, the car lurches yet again, even more violently. Um, Brexta, from your position on the back of the car, you can see that what's been going on is that actually the the roof of the car has even more of these goons on it, and they have attached a gigantic claw uh, to the car, and it's beginning to winch itself back up into the airship. Can I throw down my fool card? Oh shit! I forgot you had that. Oh, okay. Bam. Also, I need to. I also need to discard this one because I got another major oh, arcana. Sure. So the okay. temperance one's just a discard. Cool. I'm I also. Cool. I also uh, need a replacement card, David. If you could just throw me another yeah. ace. God. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah no problem. All right, let me deal these cards out real quick, and then we'll deal with this fool. Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, there you are. And you need the one. And there you go. And then a two. 
going there. Okay. So what am I supposed to do with the fool card? Let's see. I think I have to draw a card now. Host should draw a card from the fortune deck and use its suit to guide them in creating a twist in the story. Mm-hmm. All right. I draw a card. The Zeppelin flies away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. All right. It's Major Arcana, which is not of any use to me. So I draw again. Okay, I got pentacles. Good. All right. Let's see here. Hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay, so pentacles is mental and intellectual activities and guide them in creating a twist for the story. Oh, actually, if a major arcana is drawn, the feat simply succeeds in the most spectacular way possible. So I did, I did initially draw that major arcana. Okay, so you get to decide uh, some kind of feat you want to pull off and it's going to succeed in the most spectacular way possible. Oh no, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would like to make the best mixed drink I can possibly make. <laughs> so it could be any kind of spectacular feat. It's that's what it says, yeah. What kind of mechanism are like these grappling hook thingies like attached to with the airship? Uh they're they're just going up on winches that are like on the side of the ship. Okay, so it's sort of like spread out across the sides. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it, it looks like they're trying to get it so that they can just literally lift the car off the tracks and, you know, carry it away. How many are there? Four. Four, okay. Mm -hmm. And are these like heavy chains? I um, imagine for yeah, lifting like, a train. Yeah, like ship's chains, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh, okay. As for the airship itself, is there any kind of, like, I don't know, visible, I don't know, exhaust vent, important-looking machinery, like... <laughs> Self-destruct button. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Precisely so. Just, <laughs> um, like, balloon-filled with hydrogen, maybe? I don't know. Well, it does seem to be it does seem to be held aloft by a balloon or or multiple balloons actually, and then some combination of like balloons and like rotary propellers. Okay. I think, perhaps tucked into my bodices and my voluminous robes, I have some sort of dagger. Mm -hmm. I would like to, like, knife throw it, and I don't know, pop one of the balloons in a catastrophic way. Hopefully. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. Please. <laughs> Please and thank you. I have no one but myself to thank for this. Uh... <laughs> Given that you're, you have this aversion to iron, um, what would mm. your knife be made of? Would it be perhaps napped from flint or similar or, I don't know, something like that? Silver. Crystal. Silver. Silver. Ooh. Mm, super okay um cool uh all right so let's see here do, 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 do. all right sounds good so uh so basically um 
the uh, <laughs> the knife flies through the air, uh, hits one of these balloons, and yes, indeed, it is it is filled with uh, with hydrogen, and um, you know it's an unstable, easily combustible gas. You know, maybe there was a spark coming off of one of these rotary engines, something. You know. But uh, uh, basically, you know, the uh, the balloon explodes rather spectacularly and uh, takes out a couple other, you know, sponsons and uh, and the whole the whole ship begins to list to the side. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Hearing this explosion, do you think the rest of us would run to see what is the matter? I think that's perfectly reasonable. Yes hearing such a clatter upon the roof. Yeah, like, oh, that's a hydrogen explosion. We should probably check that out. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like hydrogen. <laughs> I would know that anywhere. That sounds like hydrogen. Hello. Rubbing one of your eyebrows as it has recently grown back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lesson I learned all too well. Yeah, we have to run out but, and take I a mean, look at this. Yeah, so sure. this airship is listing. What's happening to the car? What's happening to the fools hanging from the airship? <laughs> <laughs> well, that okay. So yeah. So basically, the the outcome of that explosion is that you have you have seriously compromised the the ship. Uh, the the guys who are on the roof of the car have all either been blown off or you know had to like hit the deck basically and are clinging on for dear life. Uh, any guys who were like repelling uh, are no more, you know, so <laughs> you, you took out a lot of these, you took out a lot of the crew basically. Is it chaos? It is chaos. It is Excellent. total chaos. Yeah. Is it ter terror? <laughs> it is terror actually. Just, so thank you. But is it also a little funny? Oh, it's hilarious. Fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like uh it's like that 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 gif of uh, Louise Belcher from Bob's Burgers with the flames in her eyes as she laughs, <laughs>, laughs uproariously. Um, okay, cool. So, um, well done. And the rest of you uh, rush out onto the back deck, and you can now see what is going on. So, uh, Frederick. This uh, this definitely is you know a little bit beyond what you thought uh, Anton Dyer was uh, was capable of. Yeah, uh, so I'll uh, take a sip from my my grosser gulp, and uh, I'm curious: is are the chains still attached? Like, is this thing listing with these chains still attached to the roof? It is listing, and the chains are still attached. Yes. Okay, so my my primary. Uh, goal here is to protect the Empress. So I'm going to set to work trying to pull the pins, you know, attaching this car to the other cars, right? We're at the front of the train at this point. Yes. yes. So yeah, I want to, I want to try to attach it because if it, if it pulls it off the track, it's going to pull the rest of the train with it. True. And that can't happen as far as my no. character is no. concerned. But that's, <laughs> so that'll be my primary goal is looking for that mechanism and trying to unhook it. Okay. Uh, I assume you do not have poor tinkering. Uh, I don't, but I, looking around, it seems that I am surrounded by uh, quite capable. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Uh, yes, hur hurry. We must uh, detach this train. 
I feel like I'll put two and two together and see him do this and just leap to try to help him. <laughs> just look at the look of fear. crashes yeah. while it's yeah attached. We're all fucked. So. Yeah. yeah. The look of fear on my face is very uh, yeah. easy I'm, red. I'm putting two and two together and going the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, y'all, y'all got that. And I'm looking for more people to kill. <laughs> All right. So does that mean? Us, yeah. Does that mean you want to go up on the roof of the car? Yeah, I guess. So. I mean, I want to stay close to these guys. You know, where, wherever they go, mm-hmm. I kind of want to just watch their back. I've got a gun, and um, yeah. I might be able to protect them, uh, save the empress. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you go back and you look at the floor plan of the Duchess Elizabeth, there is the Babbage engine car. So as you can see, it's it's you know about a third the size, about a third the length of the other cars. Um, and then you've got the back deck, which is where most of you have gathered. Then the front deck is really just looking at the uh, the coal carrier, the coal car, or whatever that has you know stocks all the coal for the engine. Um, and uh, and then. Yeah, of course, you could climb up on the roof as well because, you know, there were some dudes up there. So I'm thinking uh, we want to detach it, but then also save the car if possible. So maybe after detaching it, try to disconnect all the claw hooks that are in it. Mm -hmm. You know, so my plan is probably to stay with the engine after detaching and try to, you know, keep it from... Because obviously if it pulls it off the tracks, you might destroy this wonderful contraption and that that would be a tragedy as well. I'm definitely concerned about keeping the professors safe and then also like this isn't my first run-in with people trying to steal technology. I'm not about to let this wonderful analytical engine fall into hands that may not want to do good with it. Mm -hmm. Dire hands you might say. Dire hands. Dire dicks. (laughs) That's what the D stands for. (laughs) (laughs) Diabolical dickheads. (laughs) All right, cool. Uh, Any other significant actions on anybody's part? I got got kind of a big idea. So I'm waiting to get as many of these goons in one location as I can. Okay. And I... It's high noon action. Indeed. And can yes. you just remind me too, like, what's the order of the cars attached to this behind us? Uh, right. So um, behind you would be the uh, sleeping cars. So it's like three sleeping cars, parlor car, dining car, Empress's private car. So most everyone is like, Okay, clustered yonder. But it's the middle of the day, so most people probably won't be in their sleeping cars. Correct. Right, that's what I was thinking. And the claws are attached to the engine, right? Uh, The claws are attached to your car, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, they're after the professor, not really the empress. It doesn't seem that way. Yeah, Yeah. they're either after the professor or they're after this car specifically. They they don't seem to care about any other part of the train. Mm. We also ought not to forget how Katsabu fared on his mission, his, her, their, the cat's mission to warn the Empress and perhaps the 
uh, guards would come running at some point or something. Or perhaps if, abscond if with the empress themselves. Or, oh, there you go. I mean, they might <laughs> detach the, yeah, the car so it just slowly coasts to a stop while all the drama proceeds down the tracks. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah, and then Katsubu is just sitting on the, on the roof of the car is watching as the rest of the train goes on dude Tell that would story, be great if katsubu was yeah just you know in true cat fashion just bat 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 and the thing like falls out <laughs> and the car just attaches he's so smart <laughs> strong too apparently well okay cool so uh so yeah how about that how about there grizzly grant you got a plan i got kind of a plan <clears throat> so uh how many of these goons are left i guess is is my concern uh i mean you won't know for sure until you get up on the roof but um okay you know half dozen or so maybe okay yeah so if yeah if everybody else is like hey we're gonna i mean obviously we're all probably communicating our our ideas together sure sure. Um, so if you guys are like hey we're gonna engineer this some bitch you know to blah 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 i'm gonna be like this is not where I am needed because <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my poor is tinkering. Uh, so, oh, yeah. So I'm going to try to do something useful. Um, I'll be like, all right, uh, give me a few minutes. I'm going to climb up to the roof of the car and I look uh, awesome with my greasy hair and, <laughs> and my dusty <laughs> blowing in the wind, blowing in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Greasy, greasy hair is like, my hair is completely still, but <laughs> <laughs> everything else is blowing the code and everything everything, everything else is blowing in the wind <laughs> including including my recently undone shoelaces <laughs> the cables are attached to the roof uh as well though right so yes um frederick would be pointing out that like that's a giant problem i would pick up on what he's laying down and leap to climb to the roof to try to address that problem. Now we're talking. And Grant is also scrambling up to the roof simultaneously um, to enact his plan, maybe provide some cover, I'm guessing, for it. Mm-hmm. You might think that. <laughs> oh, you know, who knows? Yeah, I'm a wild guide, buddy. Maybe he's going <laughs> to shoot the, the chains or something. I don't know. And I'll probably uh, draw my sword, or it's already drawn, have my sword cane and um, defend Astrid as she's working on her project. So kind of standing in that middle section, you know, if there's any more of those guys that hop down or do anything weird, kind of be right. Right, right, right. Okay. Sword cane, so cool. (laughs) All right. So uh, the two of you clamber up to the roof of the car, and indeed you can see, you know, uh, five of these uniformed goons starting to pick themselves back up after the explosion, knock them down. Okay. I, um, I want to do some magic here, David, and I have no, no idea how it works. Yep. <laughs> I was wondering if we'd get to the magic. I have waited for this moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be ridiculous. So if I can oh. pull it off. If I can pull okay. it off, we'll see. Let's find out. Okay, so <clears throat> we've got the sorcery deck. So first I have to deal you four cards from said deck. All right, deal four. 
Okay. And this, oh. I, was, I was reading a little bit in the book that the sorcery deck represents the amount of magic in the world and it's finite. Yes. Like I can blow through all this magic pretty quick. Yes. All right. So these are, uh, these are different design cars, but they're the same, you know, same suits and everything. So okay. uh, once again, if you've got any major arcana, it's a limit of one per hand. So if you've got more than one, let me know. I got, uh, hey, I got the Hermit. Uh-huh. And I got uh, Roy. Uh, phew, I don't even know if I can pronounce that many E's. <laughs> Roy, Roy Defay? There you go. It's just Roy. It's a, a card called Roy. It's just Roy. I got, yeah. it's Roy. I got, I got Roy. <laughs> Roy Reginald. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the king of... Some stories. dude with a beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Roy. Wow, I've never seen that card before. That's really weird. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is eerie. I personally uploaded each card. Um... <laughs> Yeah, is so that's, king, that's King of Swords. It's King of Swords. And uh, I, I can imagine King of Swords as like do big, 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 big sword time. Uh, yes, indeed. And the Hermit is a very good card to have. It says, as the sorcerer gathers power, they are possessed by an insight into the nature of the spell. Treat their sorcery skills if it were a rank higher, i.e. great instead of good, and recalculate <laughs> the cost of the spell. That's outrageous. Uh, okay, so what does Roy do besides hand me a Budweiser? <laughs> it's, a, it's a King of Swords, so it's a value, face value. Of oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see what's going on. Yeah. Oh, well, then if that's the case, then I only have the Hermit as my uh, yeah, as, as my thinking. Indeed, indeed, you do. Um, hmm, let's see here. All right. So, what is your? So the way we the way that you do spells is you. Um, Okay, so first we have to determine the... Okay, first step is research. You must learn how to construct the spell you want to cast. Uh, it's not a quick and dirty affair. It requires time, patience, and a lot of hard work. A spell is constructed by reading the secret lore that contains what you want to do and using one of the spells contained within that lore. Each order has one or more books as part of their lore. You have access to the books of your order and only those. Ah, yes. Okay. So, Interesting. So casting on the fly, unless unless we've done a spell before, I suppose, that would apply in this case, wouldn't really work, sadly. Hmm. So just to let you know, the Masons have two lore books. One has to deal with alchemy, and the other is dealing with illusions. Right. Yeah. I remember... Okay, so, but are there specific spells? Uh, I mean, there kind of are, but then it's also very, like, wide open. So okay. uh, the alchemy book, for example, has three spells, universal alchemic, alchemic destruction, and alchemic barrier. Okay. Um, <laughs> alchemic destruction causes the victim to subsume into his raw chemical materials a greasy bub bub bubbling puddle of slime. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Essential salts. Yeah, right. Essential salts. What and about... Then, uh, yeah. I I, yeah, I really just want to, I want to do some illusion magic was my, kind of my big brain time. Okay. But, but, if, it's, totally but if it's fine. a specific spell, I'll, I can literally just shoot six of these guys with King of Swords. <laughs> 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 okay, so with the illusions, 
Uh, illusions of mind and body um, concerns itself with the imparting with sight, sound, touch, smell, and taste. Definitions of this lore encompass the complexity and duration of the illusion, whether it encompasses multiple parts or is one of or is well, one thing, whether whether the description of what you want to create is vague or unknown to you, whether the illusion will be mobile. So this is one you can actually do on the fly. Sick. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. Then we're back on track. We're back on track. Okay. So what? So you want to weave an illusion? What kind of illusion? I want to weave want? an illusion. I basically want to make it to where the explosion that Brexta caused mm. is about to bring their ship down on top of the train. Mm. My, end, my end goal being they leap from the train in fear to avoid this thing getting, you know, crushing them. Right. Okay. I think we can definitely do that. So each spell has an associated aspect, type of energy that the spell is constructed from. Uh, there are four kinds of magical aspects. And they correspond to one of the four suits in the deck, of course. And so, let's see here. Spell aspects. Okay. And am I using, am I fueling, like if I lay down a card, is it from the sorcery deck or from the fortune deck? It's from the sorcery deck. Okay. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. So this is something that's affecting, uh, so this is dimensional sorceries. Right. Uh, spiritual. Oh, wait. Spiritual and dimensional sorceries or material magics, the physical world. Um, hmm. Transformation, alteration. Ah, here we go. Okay. So illusion magic corresponds to cups. Right. Okay. So that's the aspect. Okay. okay. So now you have your sorcery deck. And uh, let's see here. So now you just have to define what you want to happen, which we kind of did. So basically we have to uh, tally this up here. So let's see, you want this. So first thing is duration. So you want this thing to have a duration of like probably about a minute or or so, right? Maybe I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. I think a a minute is long enough. This thing coming down. Yeah. Yeah. For them to realize their impending doom and flee for their lives. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, um, let's see here. Spell involves only one element. Spell involves a few elements. Spell involves many elements. Uh, I'd say it's many elements. I would agree. Uh, yep. And then... Not that, not that it matters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, spell range is within unaided sight. All right. Um, so, let's see. That's five, seven... And then subjects affected up to 10 is nine. An entire country is, is one option. Uh, Good. Sub- <laughs> subject, is, <laughs> subject is mortal, makes it 10. And damn, if the subject is a dwarf, that's plus 16. Uh, well, hate magic, and, huh? Are they yeah. very gullible? No, it's the opposite. They... Uh, they're completely resistant to magic. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So let's see here. We are up to 10 there. And then subject totally unknown to you makes that 14. Okay. All right. So now you have to begin gathering power. All right. So we have 14. That's the thalmic energy requirement. Um, 
minus your sorcery ability. Oh, okay. Which we now know is rated as great, thanks to your uh, Major Arcana play. That's right. Do I have to lose? Do I lose that card playing? Yes, that? you would. You would play that. Okay. So great is eight. So that makes it six. Okay. With when an amount equal to or greater than the total thamic energy requirement of spells being gathered, the spell can be released. Power is gathered by drawing cards, one at a time from the sorcery deck. One card for every two minutes of game time. Ah, okay. So in fact, I Ooh. shouldn't have deal, dealt you that hand. That's fine. Whatever. That's so yeah, I dealt you the uh, the major arcana one first. Wow, bazinga! There you go. And the, then you, you you actually did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, and so, what's next in your hand? What's the next card? Uh, the next in my hand would be the Eight of Cups. The Eight. Whoa. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the very aspect that you needed. Correct. Uh, so very good. And you only needed a six because of your insight into the nature of the spell. So uh, each each play of a card counts as two minutes of game time as you're. As you're well, gathering these these energies, okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm standing on the top of the train. My greasy ass hair is glued to my head. Um, my, uh, yeah. My my duster is like blowing behind me, um, and I kind of like hold up my hand in a very like Thanos way. Um, <laughs> and, uh, for the first time, those who uh, may be witnessing their doom uh, see that I have a very nice silver Masonic ring. Oh, I should have gotten put it on. Uh, I have a very nice silver Masonic ring, uh, square and compass, and a skull in the middle of it. And um, uh, yeah, that thing just starts like glowing, and I'm just like sucking up all of this. Uh, magical energy from the world that's like channeling into my fists and I'm about to rip this Zeppelin from the sky, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So meanwhile, Iskander, you've climbed up on the, uh, on the, the roof as well. Uh, so you can see that, that Grizzly Grant is like doing some kind of ritual. The importance of ritual can't be understated as right. evidenced by Frederick's <laughs> preparation of his uh, green fairy drink. <laughs> oh, also, David, um, did the, oh, the hermit just gave me, it just bumped up the thing. That was the additional yeah. insight. I see. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so these guys are uh, kind of collecting their wits now, and uh, it's going to take Grizzly Grant a couple minutes to cast a spell. What do you want to do in the meantime? So these, I need to start trying to get these um, these chains uh, chains disconnected from okay. the car. So there's the nearest one. Just going to rush to that and start trying to ascertain how it works. Is it a simple cutter pin type of situation, or is it a big hook and a you know whatever? I mean, who knows okay. how it was attached? I have to examine it. And quickly mm -hmm. determine how to disassemble it and then break it or dismantle it, throw the chain free, and move on to the next one. Indeed. Uh, what is your physique? My physique is good. Good. Okay. 
So one of the guys uh, sees you making for the the hookup and, uh, you know, raises his pepper box revolver and takes a shot at you. That's so he has great marksmanship. I'm just going to go ahead and play all four of the cards for my hand. None of them are wands, so these are just worth plus one each. So that gives me 12 total. Uh, so right. anything you can play in response to that. You are starting from a six. Yeah, not really. I mean, if I played all four of my cards, I could match it. But mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to do that. Right now, I'm, right now I'm at a full success since I'm double you, so all you'd have to do is just play one card to make it a partial success. Oh, okay. Cool. Alright, so that makes it a partial success. So you are going to take a wound as he clips you. Uh, let's see here. Pepper boxers on boomers. Okay, ouch. Those things sting. All right. So yeah, he does indeed uh, wing you on the shoulder. I don't suppose you have like a leather duster or anything to give you armor protection. Oops. Just your standard wool suit. So no. Yeah. Uh, no armoring of any kind, really. Okay. All right, so just mark that you've taken a wound. And let me get your... Um, I need two abilities here. I need your physique and your courage. Physique was good, right? Yeah, physique is good and courage is average. Okay. All right, so, uh, so yeah, so actually it's... Um, the wound is is pretty pretty bad. It actually, you know, cuts through some muscle. Right in the meat. Yep. Ouch. What would you like to do in response to that? Um. Well, it seems that um, Grant is going to be taking some time with what what he's doing so mm -hmm. rather than go to my task immediately i might have to try to fend off some of these uh some of these guys so given that we're on the roof of a moving train it really doesn't seem like a finesse sort of situation you really just have to kind of get them off the train um and i'm imagining none of them have tickets so it's going to be a very no ticket kind of situation. <laughs> I love it. So, no ticket. Uh, yeah. How do, how do greater aspects uh, work exactly? What's their deal with that? You play it and it lets you do something. Uh huh. Oh, the major cool, arcana. Yeah. Major arcana. That's it. Yeah. Like blow up a hydrogen balloon with a silver dagger. For around. example. For example. For yes. example. For instance. <laughs> for instance. Uh huh. Yeah. So you had strength, right? Yes. Okay. I think this so is a good time for that. Definitely. All right. So the tableau is that we have uh, Grizzly Grant weaving a spell while uh, uh, Iskander, you know, squares himself off as these, 
you know, five dudes start to uh, close around you. Whether Grizzly Grant will be able to get his spell off in time is, uh, is a question we will have to wait for, find out next week as we end on a bit of a cliffhanger with Frederick trying to uncouple the train and uh, the professor in great danger and, uh, yeah, well, all of you, really. Uh, so we will find out next week as we wrap up Chapter 2. What was it called? Uh, terror. Terror. Tram- oh, Tram of Terror. Tram of Terror. As we wrap up Chapter 2, Tram of Terror, and move on to the next chapter, whose name will depend on how this all pans out. Uh, <laughs> so... Anyway, uh, thanks everybody. That was good. We'll we'll just note that strength was played. Uh, I think everyone just keeps their hands, you know, uh, persistently from one session to the next. So I'll just keep this exactly how it is here, and we'll just pick it up exactly where we left off. Uh, but yeah, great great game, everybody. Great game, indeed. Yep, that was fun. Well done, everyone. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm.